This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder James Boyd came to give him life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in this on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit it, talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation We got the power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Hey, folks. Welcome to this week's edition of One Nation Radio. I'm James Boyd. And here with me, I have Rich Lotto. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Chilling, just uh, ready for an awesome show. Big news um, for for you guys. I actually just discovered this today, uh, but all the 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 plugging and everything about our individual feed, the One Nation Radio feed, the hard work has paid off. Um, they have approved your your boys for for the uh, for for the ad split stuff. So uh, yeah, y'all y'all basically have done a great job helping out the show. Appreciate you guys. That's what's up. That's what's up. Shout out to y'all the fans, and you know, shout out to Rich uh, being on this grind to get this done. Um, you know, <laughs> especially you know the fans. Thank you for YouTube you know for doing what we asked, but also Rich for for being like we need to get this done, and Rich pushing this. So yeah, um, you know, Rich oh. top Booker. He pushed for something and it got and was successful. Not awesome not promoting. everybody can say that these days, <laughs> can they? Yeah. Uh, if you guys haven't already subscribed to the uh, the Social Suplex YouTube channel, it, it holds all the shows, but like the One Nation Radio clips, which I think are kind of like the uh, those things are getting out there. Man, James, I don't know if you saw it, but the, the people they definitely enjoyed the GCW slander. Uh, they sure the G- did. They sure yeah. did. Like. I saw I saw a, a number of likes and I saw no d- thumbs down. Um, Look at that! It's really hard to find a you know a consensus. It really is of, of you know people like all disliking something. It's all really in, hard. if you will. But it was there. Yeah, um, but uh, I, I received some news. I don't know if you happen to see it from Monday Night Raw. Um, I actually tuned into Raw t- uh, earlier for about 15 minutes, and then I was just oh, was like, that late, this huh? is a, it was a different world I was watching. Like, like <laughs> no, no, no. I um, I put this on probably like around like 8.20, okay. so I, I watched the Montez Ford and Austin Theory match. How was and it? And I watched. It was okay. Um, I I just was just baffled. I was like, wow. Imagine if you you brought like an alien here. Right. And then I was like, hey, this guy's named Montez Ford. This one's Austin Theory. Watch these guys wrestle. And then after the match, 
Austin Theory won. Uh, it of was course. it was weird because Montez did all this flashy shit. Then it was like, well, it's time for me to stop doing moves. And then Austin Theory did his one move, uh, his finish, and beat him. Um, I was like, if, if I told Alien, which one of these guys do you think uh, the company is pushing? <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they would. Be, I'd be like, really? Oh, oh, you're you're pushing Austin Theory? Oh, that's strange. Um, but. Uh, they, well, I mean, um, the writing was on the wall for that uh, last week. Like when I heard reviews for the show, when like Austin Theory basically like buried uh, D'Angelo, buried yeah. Montez, says I-, I want you, then I want you, and then says like you know y'all are likely to get cut next you know soon or something like that. Oh and, wow! You know, I, I hadn't heard. And then like that's that. when, it, and then what I heard in the report was. Reports because I've listened to more than one show for this. Like Dawkins outshine Theory and then Theory One, which is like, okay, they're going to really do this to Montez. And I was like, I bet they do. Um, Did he win dirty or was it clean? No, it was a clean win. Nice, nice, clean win. Nice. Then then I caught some of Roman Reigns and Jey Uso talking to each other very slowly backstage, and I it just felt very very unnatural. And I was just completely like dry. I closed it out after that. Gotcha. Um, But the I, I was informed that apparently Dominic Mysterio beat Johnny Gargano clean tonight, James. Well, one has a match at WrestleMania, right? One would presume. I don't know if it's been announced, but yeah. um, thoughts? Thoughts? Same thoughts I had when, uh, when I just heard that Austin Theory beat um, Montez. Like, it's fucking stupid. <laughs> like, whatever. Like, in, in, trust me, like, you know, obviously... Uh, theory disgusting. beating Montez is not nearly as bad as Dominic beating um, Gargano, but whatever, man. His dumb ass wanted to stay, and he's happy, so good for him. Go out there and and lose to Austin Theories and Dominic or uh, Dominic Mysterios, and hey. and uh, who I'm trying to think who else would he uh, be losing to? That's like that's would be like that's embarrassing. Um, you got got any names? Uh, I wouldn't say Karrion Cross. Karrion Cross is you know he's big. In this WWE, so um, I mean, Johnny has a match this week uh, against uh, Grayson Waller. Oh, he'll lose that, or, or excuse me, uh, at, at the at NXT Takeover uh, or whatever that. they calling it, stand and that. deliver. Yeah, he'll lose that. It's Takeover, oh, man. so he'll lose that. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so, so Johnny is coming back. I, I assume this is his actual NXT farewell. I w- this, one oh, this assume. time is it? This, like, so this should be like the jo- Johnny Gargano. This is it. <laughs> you know what? Now that you mention it, like they they brought his old music back for the war games and shit, and bro, it's like they're doing it again. Like, oh, did they bring the music back in? Um, I think he's has the the different music, but I'm saying and they're bringing him awful, back again. Yeah, they're they're bringing him back again, and then right. it's like okay, and I saw Isn't something. He- Goofy as fuck on social media with like a home invasion, and I was and he got like, his ass whooped. Right, he got his ass whooped in front of in front of his in front of his son and, and uh, his wife. Yeah, I was like, yo, man. Um, then uh, he's due to fight Grayson Waller, and he should lose. Yeah, yeah, he should, he definitely should lose. Like he should lose and come back to the main roster. But I don't know, man. You know. Like Vince, isn't he isn't he more like or less like is, fighting old, uh, like um as like a proxy for Sean? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I some reason yeah. I thought that they would debut Dragon Lee protecting Sean. No, they're just gonna bring uh, Johnny Gargano back. I mean, so. 
there's well, never mind. I'm gonna leave that alone because I think he may be gotta come fight for his dad. No, well well, that, but I was, but I was like, if you're gonna bring Dragon Lee, then I think there's somebody you could also bring out uh, along with uh, Dragon Lee. But I think he may be uh, uh, gone right now. I don't, I don't think like Jose Lothario is with us anymore. Oh my God, Um, (laughs) I'd have to check on that. Never mind. I I stopped myself, but now I'm gonna expose what I was thinking in my mind because you know I'm evil apparently. Someone in yeah. the comments, please please check if Jose Lothero is still with us. Super yeah. sock. They used yeah. to call him. Yeah, please do that. And we gotta oh. make sure the catch is catch can is still around. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that Mexican wrestling that Bret Hart was talking about. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Like, like bro, will you will you will you hear people like uh <laughs> Jim Ross talk in, in like ninety six about catch is catch wrestling? I used to think like, oh, that's what Sean's doing? And last my life would be like that's supposed to be like the special shit. And then like you later find out what catch wrestling is, and you're like, how are these two connected in any way, shape, or form? <laughs> like what? Sean's out here taking these big taking these big building towards these big uh bumps and whatever else and bumping his ass off for these gigantic dudes. They ain't got nothing to do with catch wrestling. What is that? Like, I like I've never seen Shawn Michaels put somebody in the sugar hole. You know what I have seen do that though? I've seen Timothy Thatcher put put only Lorcan in in a sugar hole. So, yeah, man, I don't know. Yeah, passed away in 2018. Yeah. Okay. Jose Lothero recipes. Um, But, yeah, uh, from from Dragon Lee to Jose Lothero to another gentleman from Mexico, uh, it is the debut. uh, It it has finally arrived, James. The uh, El Hijo del Vikingo will be coming to AEW Dynamite for the long-awaited Where's the drum roll? Dream match against Kenny Omega. Um, yeah, so, man, filthy discourse this week. Um, in- instead of, you know, well, I, I did see a- hours and hours after this, a lot of excitement. Obviously, this match was supposed to go down in December of 2021. Yeah, in AAA. Um, was he supposed know, to drop for- the belt? I think he was supposed to drop the belt okay. uh, to Vikingo there. Vikingo's the champion now, but this doesn't not look like it's for the title. Um, Makes sense. So the cool thing is it's going to happen in AEW, so we'll get the superior production value, we think. And it'll be, um, you know, we won't have to track it down through Lucha Blog or yeah. <laughs> something yeah. like that. Yeah. And um, it's just like, man. The you know I, I'm so excited for this match because uh, rather than it happen in December 2021 where you know Kenny was struggling physically, I think we all can kind of look at it now and say it was amazing he made it even that far. But you know since he's come back, I feel like he's like been you know as great as he ever was uh, athletically and everything like that. So this is this should be a match of the year candidate. Like they just get out of the way and let him do their thing. Well. In a year where he doesn't already have the match of the year, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's yeah. you got that pesky Osprey Omega match gets in the way of saying things a match of the year can do because it's like, yeah, bro, that might be the best match we see this decade. So, it, like, yeah. we can't even really, you know, really be talking about that sort of thing. Like, I know Josh likes to go fifty deep into his match of the year contender thing. I don't like. I try to treat it like it's like like sports when we like all right. We are talking in this MVP race. We were talking about Giannis, Jokic, 
Embiid, get Jason Tatum the fuck out of here. No disrespect to him. He's having a great year, but we're not here to talk about him right now. He, he's not on that tier. There's no point in talking about him. Like, if we are uh, using the Heisman finalist discussion, he's not making it to New York. Right, so let's not even let's not even bring up you know the, you know these sorts of matches. But uh, yeah, man, it's gonna be hard to get in. It's gonna be hard to get into the, into New York against <laughs> to yeah, go up yeah. against uh, Osprey Omega. Uh, so whatever Osprey and Vikingo got planned, um, it's gonna be great. But the, the the bar is so high this year because of what what is the yeah. uh, what do you call it uh, the front runner, if you will. Yeah. I- I, you know, Kenny has been, you know, ever since 2019, since he kind of like broke into Mexico, like he's taken like a Mexicutioner like uh, persona. It seems like, you know, Dragon Lee, Phoenix, Pentagon, Rado Kid. Kid, Now Vikingo is like that match wasn't as good as Andrade Andrade as well. Yeah. Any Mexican can get it, apparently. Um, (laughs) You know, like Adrian Broner once said, uh, this seems to be Kenny Omega's philosophy. But, um, yeah, you know, it was all good. Everybody was celebrating this match. Obviously, you know, they kind of they booked it the last minute because Vikingo's dates are kind of tied up otherwise. It feels like he's always working. Yeah. And, um, you know, some some discourse got started and, you know, the, the usual suspects did their thing and, you know, the where's the story, this is not a dream match, all this stuff, this preemptive uh, throwing the water on the excitement uh, and all this did uh, this. I think this was kind of announced at the same time as Forbidden Door 2 was on Twitter. So I went ahead and reposted our you don't have to listen to people pretending not to know who Japanese wrestlers are clip. I was like, let's get ahead of it now. Let, let's let, before all these dumb conversations start all over again. Um, and then w- with Vikingo, the, you know, the, the, it's not a dream match stuff. And it's one fucking guy uh, dictating the discourse on this and then deleting his tweets like a coward when he can't take the heat. But, you know, unfortunately like that, you know, w- with the, with the platforms and the reach, it's almost like when some shit gets really loud on a certain area of like the news and Uh then like the real news is like forced to like talk about it just because it's so loud. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah. Uh, It's like, you know, the, uh, what do you call it? Like the kind of like the bombardment of what like the Trump administration was doing and like to like new, like cable news where it's like, there's something every single day and there's so much is overwhelming. And it's like, instead of talking about what's important from like a macro perspective, taking a, t- a, a breath, like you have to talk about the next, you know, potential scandal type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get you. And, and, and I'm just like kind of tired of it. And it's like, we keep falling for the same traps. Like I, I didn't say a thing about it. Um, and it was just like, this is this is clear. There's a clear agenda going on. Let's figure this out together. Let's start learning what this looks like because this is this feels you know this is this feels calculated kind of and um 
I, I don't give a fuck what any of these people say. You're not about to like squash my enthusiasm for Kenny Omega versus El Ejo del Vikingo because right. I know you know who Vikingo is. Right. Um, I know that if you're online tweeting about wrestling, you've seen the gifts, you've right. seen the clips, you've right. seen him rank number seven in the PWI 500. <laughs> you've talked <laughs> which, about which, which, I talk, know. Which, which, to be fair, when it came out, we what did we both say? He shouldn't be that high. Right, we both Correct. said that. So, like, but we understand like the level of wrestler um, at his peak, as as far as his uh, like how spectacular he is, he's probably the best flyer in the game right now. Yeah, like he's him. Like, and we already know what this is going to be. There's like, it's nothing but you know, it, it'll be another guy that WWE tries to sign in a week uh, after appearing on <laughs> the television. It'll yep. be. Um, another great match that that isn't going to be uh, coming from New York. So it's yeah. like, you know, they want to get in front of those and, and tell you it's not because now you know what the what the what the next play is that's that's going to be ran on this. Oh, it wasn't that good. Like that that that's coming next. So <laughs> it's it's gonna like I, I feel like we all know what to reasonably expect here and like he's gonna hit like a. Yeah. Like he's gonna hit like an inverted six uh six thirty and like people won't know what to do. Like to the floor. Like yeah, something something outrageous is gonna happen. And you know, like that kind of that's kind of what happened with like the commander ladder match, uh the brass ring match. Right? Yeah. Where it's like they did so much incredible stuff in like okay, so this is like this was a miss. This was a miss. Yeah, I, I hate the There's a million matches. It doesn't matter the style. After a certain amount of time, I'm going to forget everything I watched over a 30 minute or 30 minute, 20 minute, 10 minute, 15 minute runtime, right? But anytime somebody does spect- uh, like a match chuck with spectacular stuff, the first thing people go to is people won't remember what happened in the match five minutes from now. I don't remember what happened in the match when he did nothing five minutes ago. What, what do you, t- what's your point? What is that? You know what? Like when I watch an NBA regular season game, you know what? They I should remember every single possession. Right? That's the logic they're coming up with, right? You you should be like LeBron James, James. <laughs> you should start calling out stuff that happened eight thirty two into the second quarter. You right. know, and right. defensive switches and shit. Right. Like right. Yeah, man. Like so it's it's just, it's just, uh it's a lot of that stuff and it's like, look, man. How does this grow the audience? How does like it's just like beat up and he has mixed emotions but he still is like i'm still going to get my own right like then all companies will be doing the same thing right like if if they if it was this clear on what grew the audience everyone would be ripping each other off left and right and there would be one style of pro wrestling because nobody would like tamper with uh the the success and gamble otherwise right like they right. know what AW is. The AW is not like they don't want to be WWE. So why do you continue to heap these things that WWE would want to do or like how WWE has trained you to watch wrestling? Why do you consist or consistently think that AW should do these things? Like the the fans that Tony Khan is after they get it. It's okay, buddy. You don't have to argue for this made up person that <laughs> Right. And also like it's WWE. They they don't ama- they don't announce their full cards almost ever. 
They just put matches on the shit all the goddamn time. So why does why does why is announcing a match supposedly like this is a Dude. big mistake? You're giving away this they, big match. One, the, uh, people of his ilk are in are in his kind of like uh, let's say uh, t- like uh, circle would be like, who the fuck is this guy, right? But then, but then on the other end, it's also this guy who, in good faith, knows that he's really fucking good. Is going like you're wasting, you know, the potential of doing X, Y, and Z with him. Not really, because no one knows who he is. They will know come Wednesday. Because he's going right. to be incredible, right? And <clears throat> it, it's it's just amazing. Like you know, we we just saw last year they didn't have a WrestleMania Night One main event announced. I I mentioned that in like his next thing I know, his tweet was deleted. Would you look at that? Yeah. Um, I'm but, not saying yeah. that I caused him to default, but I'm saying like there were lots of people making great points about like why it's not a big deal. And eventually he folded. Love that for us. But um <laughs> Omega. This, this is why I will give Rod Gear, right? Like, you know, you say he, he folds like coward. Like, I will say this. If people give him enough stuff to say, hey, you're wrong on this or whatever else, then he'll delete it. Like, that's much better than leaving up like, you know, Ryan Sandin talking about how Pat McAfee uh humanized Vince McMahon serial rapist. That's true. That, that's still that up. True. I haven't look, looked in look, a while, Ryan. but like last time I checked, it was still up. Go ahead, go ahead, use that mute button when your notification gets too crazy. Go ahead, just just shut it down, but leave it up for us. Yeah, uh, don't run from it. Yeah, you know. But um, yeah, man, I'm I'm very excited about the match. Uh, this is Kenny's first singles match on Dynamite since he wrestled Allen Angels, ironically in the same building, and it is also in the same building as Kenny Omega versus Pack. So this this uh. Independence, Missouri seems to be a nice building for Kenny Omega. Did, did um, you say did you say Alan Angels? And were we yes. just talking about Ryan Sadden a second ago? Wow, look at that. Look at look at the synergy. Oh man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um Yeah, like you had mentioned like if everybody knew how to do this and that would just become the process, right? Like right. uh Damian Lillard was just on uh last week on um JJ Reddick's podcast and, and hit, both of them were talking about like what time in their careers they kind of realize like this three point thing is like it, it has to go to, an, to the next level and it's going to continue to go so everybody has to catch up and they were both talking about like the 2018 Rockets team and they were saying like mm-hmm. bro like we're going down the court and like we're getting good looks and we're getting we're, you know we score you know like we're scoring we're playing well and then we look up and we're down 17 we're like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> and then and then JJ was like, it happened to me with the same team. And I remember we scored on four or five trips or three and four trips. And we were down 11 at the time. And after we did all that, you know, scoring three and four or four and five, we were down 16. Like, you have to start shooting 30-something threes a game or you're done. Like, that, the, you're, you're losing to math. You're not losing to the, to the level of play. You're losing to the math. And like, if someone, if there were something as like uh, flat out, like empirical as the math on you need to shoot more three pointers, just based off the true shooting percentage uh, output, right? Then these companies will all be doing it and doing it in their own way to kind of ha- keep their identity as promotion, but also make sure they get that money because this is a capitalist society we live in. 
they not these, these people didn't become billionaires or or were uh let me phrase that these people didn't um weren't, didn't be, weren't nepo babies from people that had a bunch of money this included by just not like knowing how to, or not wanting to make money right like they want to do both they want to have their vision and also like have it not you know get dropped so yeah like people got to come to like some reason reasonable like sense on like yeah there's not really answers on this like we think we, we like people they try stuff all the time aw tries stuff all the time if they have it and they're gonna keep trying until they you know, they get they find out that uh the analytics on it right like the perfect you know yeah. the perfect no little that like, guy Tony Khan will i gotta probably do this segment it. one two three four five six all the way through you know um 16 to, to you know to hit the jackpot and then he'll he'll do it every single week but it hasn't quite been figured out yet the chase for perfections continues <laughs> yeah um but yeah um definitely looking forward to the match but um yeah it is uh the birthday of a legendary uh hip-hop producer uh producer manny fresh uh of cash money and you know his own uh you know everything he did after leaving cash money um so I believe he turned 54 years old today. So, um, like, you talk about someone being the architect of uh, a, a certain region of rap. It uh, doesn't really get more uh, clear uh, in that definition than Manny Fresh. Um, and also, like, you know, from some of his, like, rap songs that he's on, he's just absolutely hilarious. Yes. And a complete unserious individual who you should not, like, take seriously at all, but it's pure comedy. Um, but James, uh, talk about Manny Fresh. <laughs> um, I remember the, the, the example I'll give is I remember one time Jeff Fisher was talking about like the Steve McNair, Eddie George, um, era Titans that, you know, went to Super Bowl one multiple times in a one, like made the playoffs multiple times in a row. And he mentioned like, you know, they, <laughs> They say that like, you know, uh like the passing game is is keep creeping up upon us, but like I think Eddie you know, but like, you know, we keep feeding Eddie George the ball and you know, Eddie George averages four yards per carry. And if you and if you run the ball on first down, second down, and third down, that's twelve yards. It's a new set of downs. Um <laughs> that was more or less what he said. And I would and like we talk about like some of the workhorses and in, in, in running back in the NFL, like Manny Fresh is one of the absolute uh, biggest production workhorses in the history of hip hop. Um, like for the longest, um, it was him. And then like about 2000 or so, 2001, Jazzy Face started pitching in. He's more like closing. Like he was helping Manny with some of the stuff, even landing like placements. Uh, but all of that stuff at the beginning from like 98 that you heard until like about 2001 was all Manny. Um, and all those albums from like the, the hot boys albums, the, the big timers albums, uh, juvenile BG Wayne, it was him. And that has to be an exhausting task. Like we like think of how we have, um, rightfully like, um, not not just us, but like a lot of people have like given given their flowers to Hit Boy for the work on with him and Nas on on the King's Disease series, right? Those three albums, yeah, right. <clears throat> Manny was doing that like twice, two three times a year, 
<laughs> and I'm not, I'm not saying like you know you know I'm not talking about there should be like you know uh what do you call it um there should like there's some type of like uh <laughs> low management producers these days I'm not saying that yeah. at all but I'm just saying like <clears throat> he was at the forefront of so much like inspiration to go out there musically and like just, just complete games complete games and he he was just awesome um and like for me. I don't know where he ranks historically for me all time. I just know he's somewhere in my top five, like uh, uh, somewhere around it. Like, uh, like for me, Tim Lane will always be my favorite producer of all time, any genre of music. And um, I often like flip through people after that. But like my favorite Southern rap producer of all time will always be Manny Fresh. Like, I, I don't know what will have to change that. Um, unless you can say you want to say, well, what about Tim Lane? He's from Virginia. Uh, yeah, but I don't really... I, that Missy stuff does, isn't necessarily like stereotypically Southern if you catch my drift, right? Like I think Pimp yeah. C will have some uh, some thoughts on some the, uh, what's, on on it, what's on like Timberland's clock uh, when he talks about uh, the, the South. Yeah. Um, so like one of my uh, most popular YouTube videos is a video where I'm actually talking about how to make a Manny Fresh style beat because um, I, I kind of like to consider myself a chameleon kind of at this point, like mm-hmm. any kind of style out dip my toes in to see if I can figure it out. Is that when you recreated uh, Cash Money's an Army? Yeah, I did that after. Um, okay. Like, uh, I did one that originally sounded like um, Back That Ass Up okay. for the YouTube channel, and then you were like, see if you can remix uh, Cash Money's an Army, and I kind of basically just made my own knockoff version of it. Yeah, I ain't like that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that shit felt personal. I was like, okay, he got to try to... Like, this... this Rich, you've been out here a long time. I was like, this goddamn yank up here want to come down at like this shit is easy. <laughs> I, felt, I felt disrespected. <laughs> like, but, yes, like full on Manny Fresh. I literally look, I, I identify with Manny Fresh in his production. Yes. Yeah, I make fun uh, of I make fun of the re- for the uh the wrestling fans who never promotions. I was doing that with Manny Fresh, yes. Yeah. But um, like I, I was talking about kind of the things that like um that made up his his beats, and I was I've kind of found myself subliminally kind of um like you know having watched his genius breakdown of uh the back that ass up how he made that, and I pretty much just kind of said you know stole exactly what he was talking about about using the quick snappy drums and uh like a lot of the eight oh eight stuff. And you know his how he uses pianos with, with mm. everything. Everything sounds real clean. Yes. Um. For for some of the stuff that that I like from Manny Fresh, and it was just um, you know when, when I was when I was making that, I was like, man, like he was figuring all this out. And then I saw some video where he talked about it. And now, like, I think if Manny Fresh came along now, it would be even easier for him. But he was doing everything he was doing with eight sounds now. That think about like you know your, your kick drum, your snare, clap, eight oh eight. That's four right, right. there. He in might, your hat he might any percussion, right? Right. He might have figured out a way how to uh, stem that all into one track. I don't know. I don't. So he know. was using an SP twelve hundred, so probably he, not then. Yeah. So and then after that, he had like three or four sounds to play with. All that early stuff, everything in the nineties was, was like that. Yeah. Um. Ha. Or freaking back that ass! Like he was talking about, I was I was blown away, and I was like, man, I was like eight sounds, and then I was thinking about a lot of my beats, and they're like eight, nine, maybe ten sounds. But like the thing is, yeah. I can add as much as I want after that. Right? You couldn't, and, and that and that's <laughs> the part that makes um, like creating 
what depending on like the technology and the time frame you're in and the time you came up that's what makes like like that era of producers and, and djs like that dj producer kind of thing like that kind of like ingenuity and say i'm going to try things and like i'm going to run sets here there so i know what records work and i know how what records and formats work and i know how to format to play for, for <clears throat> parties or for clubs and then you take that shit and then you like you put that in the formatting your records like i remember i think it was i was watching a swiss and dj it was um this was before versus but it was like during the pandemic i think it was like uh or maybe before that, it was like some Swiss and just blaze like back and forth where it was basically like a proto version of versus mm-hmm. and they were playing records back and forth. And it was like, a, it was a game of chess. And then all of a sudden it was like, J- you know, just blaze plays, uh, Beyonce freedom. And then like Swiss is like, Oh, you fucked around and went into Beyonce. I, you got one Beyonce song. I got half an album. Right. <laughs> and, um, it's interesting to think about like how that plays in a club and like that back and forth. And then like thinking about like, that era of DJs mattering and mattering less like in hip hop, as far as like going into production and going into shopping records and then like the whole like DJ networking thing and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying that it's the worst thing in the world that it, that is uh, kind of been weeded out because like, obviously like that was, you know, hard to break through. To radio stations. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like the idea that, these people know what works in certain regions or in certain places, whatever else. So they can put it into their particular records that are for local artists and, you know, and they go from there. And then like, I, I just, I just think like, and then like, you, you know, I'm not, I don't want to um, romanticize the death of, 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 you know, scratching and, and all that kind of stuff in records, but it's like, that stuff's not, not existent now. And, like it gives you, it, it, gave, it gave so much life to these records um, that we grew up on. All the, so I, everything so I, coming from Trigger Man, like that that comes out of New Orleans. All that shit gets sampled off of and slowed right. down and sped up, and and everything it just gets put right. The DNA that and Manny Fresh figures like this shit out essentially. Yeah. Like between him and a couple other producers in New Orleans, but it's Manny Fresh going back to the eighties, literally. Yeah. 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 And. Oh, man, like he just uh, like you mentioned, like the simplicity of of how clean it sounds was. I think that's because of like if he was, you know, been our age, he could have been overwhelmed and thrown, and, you know. And we always hear about tons of producers, Brian Michael Cox or whatever. Talk about like when I was younger, I used to just throw as much stuff into records as I could or whatever else. And then like he realized like that stuff's in the way. That stuff gets harder to. That stuff makes the mix muddier. That stuff like uh confuses like listeners to what is like the um the theme of the record from a like a melody standpoint or the harmony standpoint and like many you know slucked in slash knew all of that stuff and like i listened to his records in um or his production stuff and like i remember like daria for example mtv like when they used to go in and out of records or in and out of commercial break, they would play instrumentals and they would always seemingly play cash money instrumentals. And like, I would always hear those instrumentals. I'd be like, like, these are like perfect, like not even like as for us, like the songs are great, but like just as like just the compositions of music, they they sound perfect and they fit together and they sound clean and they all like, 
it just works in like it's almost like a like, almost like a, a Motown level like quality of like how well all that stuff fits together almost like an assembly mm-hmm. line and like you know for him it had to be like that because he had to do so much shit for people um and I, I just think Got that like practice <laughs> I kind of think it's um like when we think of like the southern producers like we think of like Paul and and, and juicy J and like Lil John and, and him like in particular like I think they kind of maybe not many as much. Um, but I think that like John in, in, especially John of the, of those three, like never really got their due as like the kind of producers they were as far I'll, as being like, why they're doing many. Southern stuff, but like if they were put in LA, they could have made this work. If they were put in Detroit, they could have made this work. If they were put in Chicago, they could have made this work. It's just a certain talent and an ear and the DJ stuff added to it to where they could have figured it out. And, if you and put think about anywhere. how long. I think some of that goes in how long like cash money essentially kept Manny Fresh segregated from everybody else. Couldn't <laughs> work with nobody else. So like <laughs> you know, it, like and cash money didn't exactly like collaborate with everybody yeah. in the in the earlier days. Yeah. So I mean, like it, it took a long time for Manny Fresh to start like branching out. Right. And then it was just more like, oh, he's got a bunch of songs on the radio. He's got Jesus songs on the radio. He's got T I songs. Right. He's got Wayne or later wayne stuff yeah um but yeah um i so i asked james to make a list of his top five many fresh beats um or his five favorite many fresh beats uh and i'm sure he was stressed out um uh, doing so I, I, I wrote five as i well. didn't know it was his birthday but you asked me and i was like huh and then i was like oh no i'm gonna like I, i'm not gonna be able to figure out i'm not gonna be able to cut down and then i'm gonna like start and then like what immediately what happened was i started thinking of records that I would put on it, like what's the honorable mention, and then I'm like, ah oh, shit, now I'm at a point now where I'm gonna have to do honorable mention for like the top, like you know, the top five Wayne songs, and then like the honorable mention for that, and then top juvenile, and I was like, why would you do this? You should have known this was gonna happen to me. Um, so yeah, like I, I basically said, you know what, I'm just gonna just go with what are like the the records for me that like I heard them, and I was like, I wish I had made that the most. Um, so I went, with, I, that's what I went with. Um, you have a list too, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, can you go first? Sure. Uh, number five, number one stunner. Um, so that, that is also my list. Yes. I, man, I like the drums on this beat because it's the same drums that they use in the biggie. I got a story, a story to tell. I believe it is an Al Green song uh it was also a rock him song called like mahogany it's the same drums but he sped them up and then it's just like dun, 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 dun. it's like superhero music almost and um a lot a lot of great keys on there and, and everything else and it's just a, just you can put that beat on and for it for anybody anywhere uh across the country and be able to rap on it it is it's tight yeah um so I don't have it ranked. I just have a five, and then after that, I had a space, and then like all the stuff that is like I just like uh, I wish I put on there. But um, I'm just gonna say uh, this is a record that I don't think a lot of people heard, but like this is on the the Manny Fresh solo album. Uh, this was Wayne's Takeover Number One. The guitar work on it is amazing. Um, and this is at a time when like we talked about like how as a composition and the breakdowns and like I didn't mention this, but like. With Manny Fresh, like his his use of like live instrument players into his production for the stuff he just could not do, 
um, to go with a sampler or with whatever he had laid down. And then, like, the thing that also, like, we mentioned the DJ scratches and stuff and, and, and things, but, like, his ability to um, continuously come up with different drum rolls or whatever else to keep the, to keep, like, to keep the song feeling fresh as opposed to, like, you know, you hear, okay, this is the intro, this is the first eight bars, this is the last eight bars, this is the hook, and, it, it, like, it kept it, you know, uh, like, that, 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 that variation like livened up the records for me and like that was the way like a lot of his stuff for him from for me was like i was so impressed by like how did he think of you know he's playing a whole record he has all of his tracks in and all of a sudden he's like add this snare fill here and it's like that snare fill that drum is not in any other part of the record except for you know the last two bars of the end of the second verse and it's like this this dude is just like his thought of what he's putting into a record was just, I thought was just special. Um, so, uh, Wayne's takeover, uh, just incredible, incredible guitar work, live instrumentation, just, and with that, it's like that kind of composition thought he put into those records. Like this is just Wayne just basically like, I think going like 32 bars, just, just, there's no hook. There's no nothing. It's just like, it's played off like an interlude skit where like Wayne's on the studio with the, uh, with the, uh, engineer Faye and he's like telling Fee like, Hey, wait, Manny don't want, didn't want me on the record. They told me to come in here cause they need me on it. But like Manny said, he didn't want no cussing, shooting violence, bitches, stabbing bitches, all violence, and all that kind of stuff. And then like, he plays as if like Manny had just walked into the studio. So he's like, Hey man, play some. And then he starts just going. And I, I mm-hmm. like, but the production is just incredible. Like, I. <clears throat> to think of what was in the era at the time, like it is like LeJohn doing a very good damn rendition of like Rick Rubin uh 80s guitar tracks or whatever else, and then you hear this and it's like he's so fucking good. <laughs> so yeah, check it out. Uh, Wayne's takeover on uh The Mind of Manny Fresh. Number four, bling bling. Um a very happy, jumpy yes. instrumental. It is just yeah. like you you have no choice but to smile because you start thinking about bling bling and then like um those weird kind of synths that that kind of sound like 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 what is that like <laughs> um and then uh just the tempo is like I, I love the tempo of it and you know it's real up tempo and um just another very clean sounding instrumental and uh, it just it, it comes and breaks down beautifully into the chorus and um i i think it's just like it's another throw a beat on beat yeah i also was like when are we ever gonna hear anything like that again <laughs> not to say like the sound is so like outrageous it's not like listening to something listen to some like you know b-side timbaland beat on a, on a missy album where you're just like what the fuck is this but it's like this sounds clean we'll never i don't think we'll ever hear anything because we haven't heard anything like that you know over 20 years since that sounds like that um, mm-hmm. same thing for like shine, for example, but, um, yeah, um, uh, I guess I'm just going to ha juvenile ha. Um, when I first heard it on the radio, I, I, I don't know what it was. I was like, this is incredible. Uh, the hook is like the, f- the flip from what is the verse to, uh, the hook, like it just sounds incredible. And, and like, it's, Almost like the mood changes too in it, and um, but it, but it's incredible. And then like the bounce, and I don't I don't think I really had ever heard like the bounce feel before. And it was just like it was just an incredible record. And that that 
that was a lock. Like, number one Sunday Howard locks for me on this thing. It had to be on there. Number three, go DJ. Um, so this is, for me, this is like the hardest Manny Fresh beat that I think I ever, ever heard. Like, where it's just like some shit is bamming and it's slower, and but it's like, like a, a slower version of a put a beat on beat okay. and um just playing with those uh like those kind of bell sounds like it, it sounded like a video game uh alien type shit like it was like like what is this like and then right. like he was um like real clean with the drums like this is this is another example like and in the songs that are above this also really clean with the drums and his 808s were disgusting on this and it's just like this is like kind of like the end of uh of wayne and him working together yeah. kind of and it was like what a better way to go out <laughs> yeah like another one you could have thrown on here for honorable mission along with this would have been like uh bring it back like that was incredible too um yeah like carter one production like is like the singles anyway is like he's before we figured it out, he figured it out like if you play an eight, and he had already done this from even going back to uh, Still Fly. Like, if you play the octave above, like what was a traditionally considered like the booming eight oh eight, where you need a system and it and it just crashes the you know the whole block. Like you play it higher in different systems, it sounds great. He he figured it out as early as two thousand one, and now everybody does. Now that's the standard. Yeah, um, in that ways of genius. Uh, uh, number for for me, Finn, like you said, like you think it's like the hardest beat for me when I first heard this, I thought it was Manny's like hardest beat, where it's like the block is hot, Lil Wayne. Um, the pezzicato strings on it, the 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 vocal sample in the background that almost sounds like DJ Combo. Yeah, that almost sounds like DJ Combo from Killer Instinct for no fucking reason. Right. It. it um. The it, like the the startup of the beat it sounds like a like a like a like a almost like a heartbeat like a rhythmic heartbeat just starting up like a revving up and then it, and then going uh the the drum the drum rolls on it like it's it's just an incredible beat and like I, if I were a person that were to do things like rap over certain eras uh records. Uh, for for mixtape purposes, I would pick this and I would go over it. But I am not Rich Lotta, and it's not try- time travel. But I would, I would, I would. That'd be one of the first things I go over is rap over Block is hot. Number two, back that ass up. Um, orchestra orchestral music meets yep bounce music, and like um, and this ass is, was thrown. Yes, lots of ass thrown. Many fresh have been building up to making this beat for 10 years. Like it was just everything that was perfected about balance music was in this beat. And it was like, Oh, like, <laughs> like the trigger man stuff's there, the clean drums, the orchestra samples, the pianos, the tempo, the hi hats, the, and, and the hi hats are why it all like makes it come together. And it's just like, you you could picture like you know motherfuckers like yeah. a, a, a four piece quartet that like would no, that would normally be 
you know, playing a wedding at the, you know, in the right place in New Orleans at the right gig will be playing this instead on the side. Yeah. Or maybe at the reception, who knows? But yeah, um, absolutely. And uh, to move on from, uh, you have, you have more to say or for, no, for, no, okay. like, no, nah, so that's just great. And also like that little flash that they having to be, it's like, dun, 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 yeah, the hit, the hit. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. That's reverb. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like this could be played live instrument. This could be recreated and played like, Ti top back. This could absolutely be played by by you know Southern Mar- by uh, you know HBCU marching band. Um, it's an anthem. I don't know how it ever happened. Like obviously this wasn't his first uh, like work with Ti because obviously he had the greatest from uh, Urban <laughs> Legend, but it's like like the Ti stuff was kind of like the first few times it was like wow is, he's working on someone outside of Cash Money. What's going on here? And um. This was their best record. And I remember like when I first heard King, like because of the build to get to the drums was so slow. I would, I was, I was like, okay, this sounds great. But like, what is this an interlude? I'll skip it. And then I remember Kendrick was like, James, I know you, you don't have any patience for, for records. N- notice how me listening to music that also like fits with my, my lack of patience for like going through like slow builds or slow burns or builds for matches. Like he was like, listen to it. Like, you know who produced that? I was like, nah, Manny did it. Oh, okay. Played it. And then, doom, 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 doom. <laughs> it was over. Um, the piano is incredible. The pezzicato strings are incredible. The low synth at the bottom is incredible. The 808 is incredible. Um, super clean. Like, it's, it's, it's just fantastic. It's just fantastic. Number one, top back. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, top back. Um, this was when I heard Ti was like, "Yo, I'm gonna show these these niggas what to do with one of your beats." This was like, as you mentioned, he was fresh off of Cash Money, and it was like, "How the fuck did they let this nigga out?" Like, with, <laughs> with, 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 the, with the business going bad like this, I felt like Manny Fresh wanted to send a statement. He sent it through Ti essentially. Ti, all he had to do was not fuck it up, and he fought around and gave us a classic on it too. So, um, but yeah, you, you it, this is like a the more gangster version of like bat that ass up. It was like um perfect horns. Yeah. A, a horn sample. Like you've never heard better horns on a rap song since, I don't think. Maybe like uh what's up was happening, maybe like shit like that. Like um but it's just like perfection. Like like sound perfection uh, on these uh on these songs. And it was like the drum rolls and yep. also how he um, just changed the mood on the song. It's not, it goes from triumphant to evil to like, uh, like kind of like something that gives your blood pumping. And it's like all these three or four things are all happening in this same song. And it's just like, this nigga's a genius. Like, <laughs> And then like the remix is interesting because like he puts Jeezy on there who had just, you know, a year earlier, like just had like one of the all time classic like horn like records of all time with like uh Trap Star. Yeah. That's not a coincidence. Like obviously TI and Jeezy were going to do work together. They already did, you know, but like that's not a coincidence. They say, Hey, I need you also on this. And then you also have you, you know, young drone remix. <laughs> bitches love no bitches know they love the platinum is great like grandpa. Oh my god. 
One day we're gonna, one day we're going to find out when Young Joe's birthday is, and we're going to go over our favorite Young Joe uh, <laughs> bars. Because you know I can do that for like I can do that for like an hour. But um, the, yeah, the Young Joe retrospective. Yeah, um, one day. Yeah, um, for me, the my top back was um, or top back was another lock along with with Ha. My the first thing I thought of was number one stunner. Um, the man like the breakdown. Like going, like out of like the first four bars, or going into like the the like bar eight through whatever else. When they use the mandolins, it's like, why the fuck does he even know what a mandolin is or sounds like? Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's a, sounds it's like you're in a you're in a restaurant hits, or something. The drums, uh, it yeah, it's it's just uh, it takes you on a ride and it's just incredible. Like, I'm not saying that people don't do this now under records, but like. The like, but Timbaland and 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 him were like just so great at like breakdowns and like with with minimal sound, seemingly or like feeling of like not necessarily emptiness. The song sounded full or sounded like great. The sound sounded incredible. Like everything had a perfect place together and like it gave room for everything to breathe and it didn't feel like over the top of each other. It was awesome. Um, yeah, man. Uh, number one sound had to be on here for me. Happy birthday, Manny Fresh. Yeah. Um, yeah, so moving on, um, there was a report uh, that came out in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer, uh, that talked about the WrestleMania Night 1 main event um, that is being reported to be Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley um, for the Women's Championship. I don't even think Charlotte's defended this belt yet, maybe once um, since she won it. Okay. <laughs> Not sure. She hasn't been on pay-per-view. Um but yeah, um, what do you make of this, James? I, I you know, I, I'm looking at it, and uh, it was also said this is due to political reasons, and I have some questions myself, you know, about this thing, and um, you know, with Charlotte, you can you can never underestimate their um, their want to push her, um, it, whether it's to you know juice her own gimmick stats up essentially just to you know surpass rick flair and all that stuff or they're using it to send a message that she was always the the greatest woman you know see mercedes monet has moved on um so they're going to give charlotte more accolades and start writing this history a certain way it's all already been happening anyway it's just going to kind of get more blatant and uh, if this is true, she'll become the first woman to main event two WrestleManias, even though no one would believe or no one wanted her in the first one. And then most people do not see the second one possibly as a main event. Um, and I think it's important to note night one is a fake main event anyway. So, um, <laughs> no, but never mind that. Um, is in, you know, I'm wondering in Charlotte's case if, promises were made um you know with you know her her facing ronda rousey last year they didn't get to go on last and you know they pulled that that steve austin thing out of nowhere is this a is this a makeup because we've we've heard charlotte you know having promises kept to her in the past yeah uh about why she was in that triple threat in the first place and you know it, it all stinks around her um and this feud like you know, I, I think they did a pull apart the other day. 
Um, you know, Rhea Ripley's like a heel, but everybody's going to cheer her anyway. Um, Charlotte's baby face, and we know how that works. Long term, yeah. Why are why are they doing this? <laughs> why are they why are they set for this? Yeah, why are they set to do this? Like so this could change, you know. We're not like you know whatever, yeah. but but based on what 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 the uh, what the people that normally get this stuff right say, yeah, this is what it looked like. Yeah, um, you know, initially like talking to talking to people after you know seeing the news, I, I didn't really have many thoughts on it other than like, okay, this is it. Um, but the immediate response I saw from people was like, the main event for night one should be Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, or sorry, the Usos versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. And like, once people said it, I was like, they're absolutely right. But the report is the report. And we've seen things that should not be in the main event of WrestleMania or, or whatever be the main event of WrestleMania. Um, so you know, does what it should be and deserve and all that kind of shit ain't got nothing to do with anything. Um, deserve got nothing to do with it. <laughs> I didn't even think about the Snoop thing. But yes, you did. You did uh, uh, tweet that out uh, last week or a few days ago. And um, yeah, it, it's just really weird. Um, the response from people that like and the people that they made the response like people that are like still, you know, very much into what WWE is doing right now. And, like, I just, I was almost like, maybe it's because I'm detached and, like, this kind of stuff is the reason why I don't follow them more closely. I can be like, yeah, this is what they do. Look at the recent history. These are the telltale signs. Yeah, so okay. I, um, so, uh, Finish Shell was like, that doesn't match, that doesn't match the booking. And I was like, and then my immediate thought was, well, the booking going into WrestleMania 34 was that Braun Strowman was going to win at that Elimination Chamber. That didn't happen. Roman Reigns won, and then he fucking lost, which shouldn't have happened either. So, you know, stuff happens all the time, that, you know, for no rhyme or reason, just because things happen here. Um, yeah, as far as the match, I I think for their sake, it should main event because whatever whatever emotional thing that if if the tag match is on night one, whatever, uh, that will carry the day for the crowd emotionally. So then they have to follow that at a certain point, or maybe it's so early in the show that maybe they'll put, they'll, you know, you know, they love to, you know, throw a bunch of shit on, making people, you know, cool down the crowd so they get back up. But like, I don't know what they could possibly do in this amount of time to make people be into Charlotte in, and Rhea in that way, and also like for me, and, and and if they wanted to, right? Like if that is what your main event is, and that's what your plan is, fine. Build it out to where people start feeling, to where their fans feel that way, right? Like bookers always have ideas of what they want to be the match, their marquee matches, or whatever else, and it's up to them to with with the help of the talent and their execution to get it there, right? That happens everywhere. Right. I don't. I don't see the effort in that kind of way to make people feel that way for this match. And also fundamentally looking back at the, the, the entire story arc of the people that like are okay with this match with Rhea and Charlotte as opposed to just them just doing like the future of Bianca and Rhea, them doing Charlotte and, and, uh, and Rhea is like, well, you know, they had that WrestleMania match 2020 
and it was like, okay, so let, let's go back. Let's go back to 2020. This shit ain't connected at all. And Rhea is NXT champion. She uh, she comes out after Charlotte wins the Royal Rumble and says, challenge for this. Right? And then they tell the story that sh- that she got the NXT, or so she got the Mayo Classic, got the NXT, right. and her immediately, because it's she's right. blonde and she's tall and statuesque physique, she was immediately compared to Charlotte Flair. So then she changed her look and all that kind of stuff to differentiate herself, to build her own identity. And she went out there, and they had a great match. At the end, she fucking tapped out. To then go from there, and at the time, everybody was saying, hey, this is fucking stupid, Triple H. Why did you put Charlotte in here? It's only going to hurt Rhea. And his response was, you know, there's a long-form story with this. Well, if this is a long-form story, the her redemption will be as a bad person with a, with a group of, you know, Satanists, for lack of a better word. <laughs> like... The, What's what's what are they called? The Doomsday Device? Or Dooms- what's the name of them? The Judgment Day. The Judgment Day. Yeah, you you see, like in you know when it's Judgment Day, it's to atone for your sins. Right. She and she's a heater. She cheats all the time. Like and she's over as a heater. Or whatever else they they put her in that China role with Triple H. Obviously, harking back uh, to uh, things he know how to make work from the past. But it's like. They did. They had uh, Bianca go out there and lose in like a minute to Becky at SummerSlam, and then she got it back and got redemption. That is a perfect way of telling the story of falling and then coming back and succeeding at the, after you fail. This is she lost. She lost to the biggest cheater in the game, and the only way to beat a cheat is to become a cheat. What a great story! What an How awesome story! Um, makes you wonder about um, you know, the Ronda Rousey element on this and how she's been in and out, um, and y- yanked out of this essentially. <laughs> like all the stuff with Charlotte and Rhea Ripley has always felt like it's never been about them. It's about external forces at play. Like thinking back to that last the match they had at WrestleMania 36, it was like. If Charlotte wins a Royal Rumble, right? But they clearly didn't want to have her like work with either of the other two people, so they like just picked her, picked Rhea Ripley, and just made Rhea Ripley run out there. Like it's so dumb. Who the champions like, at no the time? I can't remember. Do this. Uh, I think Becky was a champion. Yeah, and they couldn't do Charlotte and Becky again. Yeah, because they had because they because after WrestleMania 35, they went right back to it with like the the double match with like her and also um, Lacey Evans. Yep. Yeah, and I and I think uh, maybe Bailey had the championship maybe. or something like that. Maybe, like it was yeah. like a five way match, or Sasha had the championship, okay, or something like that. Like and it was like a five way elimination at WrestleMania, and it was like Naomi, Lacey Evans, uh, Sasha, Bailey, and and one other person, maybe okay. Nia Jax or Tamina. It was it might have been Tamina, and it was like. Well, you're not going to send Charlotte to SmackDown, and ah, man, oh man, wow, they hit Cody with that reel, huh? Amazing. Um, but yeah, like Charlotte and Rhea Ripley never seems like it's about Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. It's always like some course corrected thing that like we couldn't book so 
a match we actually want to do, and we're just going to do this now. And yeah. it's like it never feels right. Right, and it doesn't feel like. Also, another part like the Charlotte, the whole Charlotte thing. Like Charlotte is five ten, and she always comes out in heels when she knows her opponent is not going to come out in heels. So it looks make her like she's fucking six foot three, and she's and she's you know meeting up face to face with whoever and it's always like why why would you take this terrible like uh business move thing from like Stephanie McMahon because Stephanie McMahon is not actually a wrestler she's just you know she's a heater right she's a plot device she's not actually getting in the ring and got to sell like the physical confrontation and then seeing two people face to face when one person is a certain height and you're already taller than most almost anybody you ever face and then you're gonna wear heels like it's always just always like a this thing was like it feels like all this stuff is intentional and i don't know if that is like the meta heat for it but like it turns me off and like i have not enjoyed charlotte nearly as much it also doesn't help that like she's not nearly as consistently good as she used to be yeah i think we talked about it before i don't know how many times we talked about it before but like it it is um yeah, not good. Not not no bueno. But like, yeah, I you know, in a big match, would I ever count her out? No, because I've seen her work. Um, and she's in there with someone that's obviously very talented, and we've seen them have a great match WrestleMania before. So like, I'm I'm excited for the match just for the fact that like it's two people that are very talented having give and get time, and they're probably gonna have a clean finish. Uh, but as far as like their build or whatever else, this is not scream. This needs to be, for, uh, you know, the mess, the main event of WrestleMania. But quite frankly, neither did be neither did Bianca and Sasha. Something common there. Um, <laughs> man, Bianca's feud might be even worse this time, uh, and that's a very low bar. Uh, what they yeah. did with Sasha and Bianca going into it. But um, moving on. Um, Bill Goldberg, according to Fight full select is a free agent now what is about to happen here like when i hear free agent i feel like this is an implication that he wants to continue contributing to the wrestling business yeah yeah Um, his contract did expire or something um thinking about who's like quote-unquote running wwe right now Uh uh-huh makes sense it, this kind of makes sense. Like, yeah, right. like someone, someone sent a clip out of Triple H talking about Goldberg on Tough Enough. And then, yeah, right. um, I would just like to thank Goldberg for squashing the fiend, um, <laughs> <laughs> giving us th- that forever, uh, that meltdown and uh, everything like that. But um, Goldberg is, I believe, 56 years old. Yep. A lot of injuries. A lot of injuries. Been, put his body through a lot. Uh, even like, he doesn't look how he looked five years ago. Right. Um, now, um, do, do you, t- do you take a shot on Goldberg? Uh, if you're, if you're TK or, or anyone else right now, man, or do you um, just like let that dog lie for what I assume is a prohibitive, uh, price tag. I would say no. Um, I would say no. If he wants to come in, and, you know, get a pop and, you know, do the, I was in, and, you know, and, you know, co-sign a guy, um, particularly someone like a Warlow, for example, uh, would make some sense. Like if they want, if you want, if they want to do something like that. If they want to have him in a, um, a non-wrestling like mentorship role with some big hoss. Sure. 
Um, and he still gets, you know, all the, he still has to come out and do all the pyro and all that kind of stuff. And he still, you know, can sick somebody on there or he can might, you know, whatever. But, you know, you know him, like, if, if they do that, you know, he's not going to want to ever, you know, get beat down to get heat for somebody else because, you know, he's a hero. And his, you know, his eyes are like, I'm a superhero to so many people. I don't want to come out here and just get my ass from not ever be able to, you know, get it back or whatever else. Um, so he's going to have to wrestle. So, like, I think, I think if he's able to come to a different stage in his uh, thought process on what he wants to do with pro wrestling, sure. If he still wants to go out there and be the guy, uh, uh, you know, then I don't think that's really a smart idea. No. Yeah. Um, I think if you're talking about Goldberg, you got to look him in the eye essentially and be like, that, that Allen Iverson, you will not start anymore. Like, you, are, you will not start, but we can use you in very small doses and um, make you, uh, and, and this is your chance to give back to wrestling. Like, a lot of people don't have a positive perception of bill goldberg like you know and i I don't think that's everybody i think some people like goldberg as far as like people in in wrestling and and fans as well i like goldberg yeah but that's that's also a byproduct of being in the era he came up in and being successful in it of course you got that of course he got shark in him yeah. And I don't mean in no bad way. It's like, it's like, bro, look who he was like, who was taking advantage of him, like Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan. Right. Like, <laughs> right. So it's like for him to have any model of sex without ever even cut off at, you know, you're doing a what with who? Who the fuck mm-hmm. is that? No, no, we're not doing that. Beat him, beat him, and beat him two months in. Fuck out of here. Um, yeah. So, so, I, so yeah. I don't know if I, if I was if I was TK, I, I would I would only offer him like like a short term role. If if you're like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna kick the tires on this and do something with it. Like, you know, he's proven he can book Sting effectively. Like, right. he's but, but kind of to legendary be fair, situation. Sting is Sting's Sting a is, totally different Sting situation. Sting is a whole is a completely far. He's a far more uh, dexterous act. He has much more to offer than like just do, right. doing his finish a bunch of times. Right. Um. So and he's a and he's like. And he's a more, uh, he's a more thoughtful promo, from the sense mm-hmm. of being able to like fit in a bigger picture to help assist in getting someone else over. Yeah, like I, I don't and know how that works. At least Goldberg. what we've seen from Goldberg so far, yeah. Uh, I don't know how that works with Goldberg. I did see a lot of funny jokes uh, about Goldberg. Um, I, I saw people want him to be booked against CM Punk and do the kick, you know, as a tribute to Bret Hart. Uh, and, and then they were saying wow. that would be at, at a future AW pay per view and putting like four and a half stars on there. Um, I, I, you know, if it was a, if it was a one match thing, I'd be like, uh, Jericho. you know, come in and come in and squash FTR bald. You know, I think I would uh, get great pleasure out of that. Like, oh, you, you, you know, you've been talking all this shit. Uh, essentially, you, look, look, you you really want to be like Brett? All right, you you gonna go ahead and deal with Goldberg? <laughs> I will say <laughs> you this. Can hate him. If there was a program, and I just mentioned it, but if there was a program that's just ready made to do on TNT, Goldberg Jericho. Everyone knows the history. You just go ahead and do it, and you just go like you just go like six, eight minutes, whatever else you have Jericho figure it all out or whatever else, and you go from there. But like, and then you, quite frankly, like you just you know, have Goldberg just run through the JAS the whole time to get to go to get to. Uh, Jericho and I tell you this right yeah. now you know what Jericho do because Jericho knows that shit would draw 
Um, Jericho knows that shit will work. He absolutely knows that will work. Daniel Garcia throwing up the the the, the, the fist in front and of catching, Goldberg and catching nothing and catching nothing but uh, collarbone in that man's uh, midsection. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I thanks, don't know. son. You open up the spot. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know if I'd do this, but um, there is there's a conversation. I think if you're Tony Khan, you gotta have a conversation with your team either. You need to figure out. You need to let them know. No, we're not doing this. Or you need to like have a conversation with Bill. See, see, see where his head's at. See what he's willing to willing to do. Because um, worst case scenario, you can always like I don't know what I don't know if it would be a price tag for this, but like bring him in when they you know bring him in whenever they go to Georgia and like let off a thousand fireworks and let him do his entrance. You can always do that. That will always work. The only work. thing is you won't get the music, though. I, I don't know if you'll be able to get the Goldberg music, which I think that's a big part of the experience with Goldberg. That's true. That's true. Um, and I, I love Mikey Ruggs to death, but that's that's not no music that, that you can just, you know, recreate. Look, maybe you can license the Pastor Troy. I was just about to say you know? that, bitch. <laughs> you get that P2 Cruiser. Yes. Absolutely. Maybe you do that. Maybe that's the cheat code around that. And, but, and look, um, and, and look. I know you can do it. You don't know why? Because if they, because if they are, if they go to, because they normally go to, uh, they go to Decatur, right? They don't actually go to Atlanta. They go to because they're probably they boxed out because of uh Coonan. or sorry, CDK. Yeah, yeah, they can't get in that arena. They go to Duluth. They go to Duluth. So look, they go to Duluth. Uh, I don't know how far away that is from Metro Georgia. But if that was is, but if that is within an hour, Pastor Troy will show up. Yes, because Pastor Troy goes to all those uh, uh, UGA games in Athens. Yeah. He will show up. You give him a belt. He will perform. He will. And he'll yes. He'll with the big old belt. I, I'm pretty sure they they're allowed to bring that on there, so they will have to come up with yeah, it. So they have out. to give they have to give PT they have to give Troy. You know. The, uh, uh, another version of the AEW World Belt, and they go out there and just just perform and go out there and do it. That will app. Yes, that's it. Yes, yes, that's it. Yes, that's it. yes. yes. send it up. <laughs> yeah, that's how we do this. <laughs> oh man. Um. So speaking of AEW, uh, AEW Dynamite. Uh, this week, uh, this show, uh, was uh. A, mi- a mixed uh, reaction, I think, from from some folks. Some people really liked it. Some people did not like it at all. Hmm. Uh, I like the show a lot, James. Uh, once we go through it, because I, yeah, I, I didn't watch this live, I ended up watching it Saturday. Um, so once we go through, I think I enjoyed the show though. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so we started with the MJF uh, Rebar Mitzvah. Uh, he came out uh, to the ring uh, with some women, and you know he made uh, he made out with one of them. Uh, and there were four, three yes. of them that kissed him. Fourth one, he did all the tongue and yes. everything with. I, so, in like once they went one, two, three, four, one, two, three, and I was like on the fourth, I was like, are they gonna do like what he did with the when he made out with the one that one time? And sure enough, he did it again. I was like, now that's long form storytelling. Callbacks. <laughs> So he um he insults uh Canada, insults uh Bret Hart basically saying, you know, uh, you know, you guys used to think Bret Hart was entertaining, then he says Sean was much better. Um and he said, uh Judaism is the only religion that matters. MJF is wearing a yarmulke in the well as well in the back. Yeah. Um, um is it time now to talk about some of these uh some of these um what are these barbers doing to these boys? 
in AEW. Um, like, obviously MJF has this situation, so he's trying to figure out the best way to handle his situation. Um, but there, there's somebody else that, that people ain't, ain't really putting two and two together on. We're uh, going to get to that. We're going to we get to that. Get you want to get to it now? That hairline is on death row. Hey, man. Um, I know that, like, Ricky Starks has some stuff going on with, like, how, whatever level of black he is to be able to have whatever kind of hairline he wants or whatever way he wants to brush it forward straight or to the side whatever what have you not i'm not i'm not i'm not saying it's for him to choose one way or the other it's not for me to decide right that's up to him and his lifestyle but i am i am i am concerned for what is happening with his hairline it, it there's, there's no consistency for which we <laughs> Amen. Maybe those rock comparisons aren't that far off. You know, that's all I'm saying. Okay. Um, yes. And also, as we all, as we talked about a long time, like Anthony Bowens, there is some Beijing thing going on with a certain section of his head, but not the he whole has thing. Hair like Ron Artest. Oh he yeah. Has the same hairline like Ron Artest, where it's like either like the barber like cuts it and they cut it from like memory or whatever <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I think that's how it's supposed to go or whatever. like yeah, I like, fucked up one time and he keeps coming back every week so it's like he gotta keep <laughs> fucking it up because he can't, it hasn't grown enough hasn't grown back in time yeah. T- look how many times has Swerve hurt that man's knee just go off TV for a month and come back <laughs> cause like he, um, you know he also has you know he has like Anthony Davis Paul George super yeah. low deal where it's like yeah. he's never going bald ever like yeah. so look bro if you if that's your situation just go off tv yeah man it's uh, fine I, wear a hat they got, no they, got, they got a claim scissors hats right scissors use the scissors scissoring you know i don't think look you there is more things okay how do i say this anthony bowens is uh haircut Makes more sense, so therefore you can't actually use scissors. But on, but but, <laughs> but on, but on Ricky Stark's hair, you can use scissors. So you can at least get that little overhang that's that's right here. Know. Like you, you, hey man, you, you get rid of that. Like you, do you remember put the hat on? You, you know, I got a hat on tonight. You know, that's it's not because I'm losing the hair. I got too much hair. I just need to tame for a little bit. You know, you I got remember, a fro right now. Do you remember Darren Williams? What what how his hair situation was looking like at the end? Yes. Like, as you know, like his hair is almost like a Jason Tatum situation where it's like his hair, his, his curl texture is so like loose that like he can't get it to sit down. So he has to go or get slit down for waves. So he has to grow it dark. And when you grow it dark, it gets longer at the front. So like it turns into basically like bangs. So like you're not actually edging like the actual hairline. You're edging like with the brush down bangs. Yeah. And when it gets yeah. wet, it gets wet. That's kind of like what is happening with Starks. That's kind of like what happened with stars. It, I, these are these are these are these are the light skin problems that I that I was not for I never foresaw. And until you see it out in person, you're like, oh, there's, there's some wild shit going on out here in these streets. Hey man, my hairline's strong. You don't, but, you, uh, but, but Rich, you also have a a, a tighter uh, curl texture than them. You were spared. You were spared. <laughs> you 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 was one little you was one recessive gene or, or dominant gene from from being fucked up in the game. Oh Rich. man, yeah, Dante Martin. Look, I'm looking at you too. <laughs> 
Um, like the, the Martin boys, you know, like y'all ain't safe either. Um, Seamus Nova saying TK needs to hire a black barber ASAP. So, um, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe I can put that put that suggestion out there. But um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's a lot, man. It, you know, the, like these folks and. You know, we ain't like there's there's plenty of more folks, but uh, this is what I'll say: yeah, they don't need a black barber; they just need a barber that's black. Because once you have a black barber, this is a thing that people don't understand: black people have hair and curl patterns that are they go from, you know, Lil Wayne, Amelia well, Nigerian hair to straight to straight as Rapunzel, right? So black Who's barbers Isaiah know how Cassie's to cut anybody's hair. hair. White barbers do not. Can, can can Isaiah Cassidy bring his barber? Yeah. Like, he can help these boys here's out. Thing, here's the thing, though. Isaiah Cassidy's barber is probably, like, Dominican. You know what? You're probably right. You know how it is when the, you know how it is in the up north bar, barbershops. Like, it don't... It, the ethnicity don't really matter. If, they're, if they have a chair that's towards the back, they're good. It doesn't no. matter. Even if they white, they those are the white barbers you get. You go get you go get yourself a white barber from an up north black barber shop that is not at one of the first front uh chairs. That boy cold. That boy <laughs> that boy is the Larry Bird of cutting hair. Do you understand me? Cold. You know you know how much work he had to put in to get to the back. He's been there a long fucking time. A lot of heads. Yes. You know. Um, but yeah, let's get back to this opening <laughs> segment. <laughs> One Nation Radio exclusive audio here. You will not find this on no other show. Um, so um, he said he uh he's already had a bar mitzvah there. Um, he lost his V card there. Tony Giovanni said some shit like you have to be eighty three years old again to 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 get uh rebar mitzvah. And he's like, yeah. what the hell is happening here? <laughs> Um, MJF says after his win over Danielson at Revolution, uh, he is Iron Man. Um, yes, and he they, they did they kicked out the bar mitzvah and they brought out uh the Jewish gentleman with the chair. They put MJF on the chair and yeah. did the dance. And they played Hop and Gila, yeah. It was great. Yeah, the crowd so. was into it. I was into it. Yeah, I was like, I was like, all right. And then um, all of a sudden I it started hearing it. that yeah, I started hearing that Jungle Boy music. I was like, "Whoa!" Like I started, I you know, I popped real big for 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 uh, Jack Perry coming out, and because because I figured it, it it was about to be some pillarism going on, and boy, was it ever! <laughs> um, and then after that, Did we Sammy tipped Bar- off to this. Um, I think there was something on Rampage the week before that, like each of them like separately like did interviews or something okay. like that. Okay. So, um. Darby, uh, Sammy's music hits and he comes out. Then all of a sudden, Darby's music hits and he comes out, and then everybody's in the corners, um, in all four corners. Uh, Twitter's going nuts at this at this time. Uh, lot, lots of pillarism uh, tweets uh, get, getting sent out. Uh, and then like you know, these guys uh, started all talking, and MJF was like, you know, what do you guys want? They said they all at the same time says we all want a title shot. So um, we're gonna get that four four pillars match um i was privy to something which i cannot disclose on air i don't know if it's going to play out that way so uh if it ends up that way i'll come back on it but uh it, it whatever like and, and what it, what i heard about is is going to be epic but um 
they said um, uh, Jack Perry didn't talk about uh, they they went into shoot zone because they realized that hey we go we need to heat this up a little bit and they started like you know letting it off but um, Jack Perry is basically saying MJF never appeared on Dark Elevation uh, Rampage anything like that and I had um, heard that thing about like MJF had not been on a Rampage in like a year or something like that. Or or not at all ever. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. And, and then when he said, I was like, oh, I wish he hadn't said that, because it exposed that that is the B show and you shouldn't watch. And people already have been tipped off that that's the B show and they don't watch now. Yeah. Um. From there, from there, he said he gets to do whatever he wants. Everyone else has to crawl, scratch and claw for any opportunity. Uh, I'll go back through what I think. I just want to get through it, but um, you know, he said he wants uh, the championship. MJF says uh, he, like everyone else, is actually a star, and the company revolves around him. Uh, Sammy cuts him off. Says he worked hard to get where he is. He overcame a bunch of obstacles, being on the indies, uh, working at you know places like Subway, working fast food jobs, and uh, you know he said he was supposed to be the inner circle job guy and Jericho's bump guy, but he's going to be a world champion. This is probably the most positive response that Sammy Guevara's got from a crowd in a long time. Um, yes. Um, I I liked what he said. I didn't like the terminology of talking about job guy, bump guy. Um, But then, like, you know, he said that, and then, like, at the end, he's like, just remind you, like, I, what I, I said was inspiring, it. but I am still a hill. And he's like, screw this crowd. <laughs> it was funny. Um. And then Darby uh, got into it, and he talks about being in film school and how he dropped out and looked back on his road up to this point and said there's never going to be a bidding war for him. Um, maybe he's a terrible businessman, but AW gives him something that, you know, no one else can uh, can do, compete with, and it's like the ability to be himself. And he basically said, you know, I'm not going to be one of these dudes that's on Twitter crying and, and saying they want to leave the company uh, and talking about their contrast. And man, that shit right there, like there's like a 14 second clip. Uh, he was cooking Dax. Uh, it sounded like uh, or many motherfuckers that that if the shoe fits, wear it. Years, yeah. Yeah. If, if the shoe fits, wear it. Um, I believe there was a Sean Spears tweet that he sent out doing exact this thing that Darby's talking about and um somebody put the Darby promo in his replies and Sean Spears hid the uh hid the tweet or whatever <laughs> so it, this is already being like you know this is the weaponization of, of that of that promo um and uh Darby riled the crowd up pretty pretty good this is Darby doesn't talk often he was sitting down like Raven in the corner um and I thought he did a good job and uh he basically says uh uh, Darby says he takes issues with the uh, ways that other wrestlers, including MJF, threaten to leave. Uh, he said he's going to beat MJF's face in if he doesn't give him a title shot. Uh, Sammy and MJF then like uh, swap wife and fiance, uh, shoot barbs, yep. and all that. Um, and MJF says he's you know there's our four pillars, but he's the only one that can hold the place up. Uh, yep. MJF didn't want to give him a title shot because they don't deserve it. And then Jack Perry attacks MJF from behind with the microphone. It was hilarious. And, and the second MJF you saw the mic upside down, you knew what was happening too. MJF gets uh, sent into the cake. Yes. Overall, I really like this segment a lot. Yeah. Did they do some shoot stuff that is kind of like, huh, you shouldn't do that? Yes. Like, I think Jack Perry could have said something. Um, he could have made the same point, just saying it slightly differently. He could have taken pride in be like, yo, I, I, 
you know, I got to, I had the opportunity to compete on dark on, on elevation and face wrestlers that from all around the world. And, you know, I looked, you know, I, I was working hard, but I didn't see you taking that, that same opportunity to, to face these people. You know what? I had the opportunity to establish elevation. I, I had the opportunity, you know, to, to do stuff on rampage, stuff like that. But, you i well you didn't take these opportunities and stuff like this you you wanted to do something else like you could he could have phrased it a little different way got a little bit more out of, out of it but i still think the point was made i thought sammy did great um and you know these uh I, these weren't lies like it, it, right. and it, so like i ultimately didn't like have a like if you if i feel like your shoot stuff is like completely just like misses like like this is what people thought about Sammy Guevara. They thought he was this uh uh, uh the job guy of the group, the the lower guy of the group. This is what they thought of him. And you know, for if he had to wear that like that whole time and do all those jobs, I think he should be able to use it as well. Um <clears throat> I I I just had a ish or how do I say this? I didn't like the use of talking about people being job guys like Obviously, he was talking about the naysayers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it ain't too much naysaying when, like, we saw you go out there and and, and be a condom for Chris Jericho for a year. Like, that's not, that's not exactly, like, you know, not, you know, saying the, the naysayers. Maybe you rose above it, but you absolutely were picked for that role. And, like, that is a role, right? Like, uh, this is a team, and that was a particular role at the time. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, um, I just didn't like the, the, that, that part about it, but like everything for the most part, like, like you mentioned, it was honest. I just, certain things I just like, uh, it just made me think like, is there another way to say that better or say that without saying it that way? Um, so yeah, uh, yes, yes. Economist protection. Yes. Yes. It's pro- prophylactic. Uh, so, um, uh, so. Y'all missed that one. That's that's an old reference. Yeah, we've been saying that for years. Uh, uh, but yeah, like this thing, you know, I... Oh, oh, I, oh I was, what I will say is this. Am I the only one that thinks that, like, MGF is right here? Like, I had my segment because I won the title, because I won the Iron Man match. I may have cheated, but, like, I always cheat, so you hold that against me? Whatever. Like, I'm going to celebrate. Like you know, we've been we've we've been hard about every other week on MGF. This week, I was like, comes out celebrate, the crowd's into it. These assholes come out and ask for a match. They have not deser- they have not done anything to deserve said match. Is that fair? Where where are they in the rankings? They don't have the rankings. I know that's a joke. That's a joke. They got rid of the rankings. They could have made this shit to the, the top four. Clapper, you're anti-Semitic. That was a great line. Yes, for, right. For, for, yes, know. it was. He's like, if you don't change this answer, I pops when he said that. So he yeah. comes out and they're and they're saying stuff about him, which is true, but it's like, hey man, we're not we, we we're not here we're not here to talk about President Nixon. We're just talking about this jump. And yeah, like they say all this stuff about you know. You cheated and all this stuff, and like you know, I had to do all this stuff, and you took these shortcuts. It's like, yeah, and that's why I got this. Dummies work smarter, not harder. Um, and then he <laughs> mentioned like, look, you guys talk about all these about how easy I had it. Y'all had all these, all these. Y'all are all apprentices for all these masters of pro wrestling. I had to do this shit on my own. Fuck y'all! Like, what? Are, what are y'all complaining about? Y'all ain't earned. Like, y'all haven't. Y'all haven't earned these title shots. What are y'all doing here asking me for this stuff? Get the fuck out of my celebration. Leave. I, I, so I was like, 
You know, MJF is kind of right here. These assholes showing him ass from that shit he don't deserve yet. MJF has omitted uh, some details there. That is true. <laughs> that is true. And then and then Guevara comes out here talking about you know my my my, my you know my uh, my what I hope was my nuptials not going through. It's like, hold on, bro. I know you're not talking. I know you're not talking. I know you ain't talking. I, I know you're not talking. The the baby the baby face that proposed to his girlfriend all of a sudden is dating the rest dating the wrestler. Next thing you know, oh that what a coincidence, huh? What a coincidence. Huh. I'm glad someone, someone finally brought that mission out on air. Even though they shouldn't have mission on air, but like once that got brought to him, he had to return and serve. And boy, yeah. that 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 was that was a that was a devastating one when he brought that one back. It was like, oh yeah. That's why you're a heel. That's why that's why the babyface like TNT title run did not work. Amazing. Uh but yeah, I, I think this is all gonna peak in a really cool way. So, that's gonna be uh, awesome. Yeah. But we already um, knew that. Yeah, so pillarism, long live. Yeah. Um, but after that, uh, we had uh Chris Jericho getting shown getting a street named after him, uh, in Winnipeg, Chris Jericho Way. Was that a Hilarious. shoot? Was that it's real? a shoot? It's a shoot. Okay, because because like I saw it, it earlier in the day, they were talking about it like okay. on Twitter. Okay, because I I was wondering because it's like. Jericho, you know he would absolutely be up for this because anything that'll put him over, he, he's into. Right? <laughs> and I don't mean it in a bad way. Like, he's a, he's a wrestler. Like, it, 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 like it, it, it behooves him to, like, work on things that, that like, boosts his ego and his stature. That's now, what he is. You, you, want, you, you want to put me over? Like... Right. Right. Why do you... Why do you think Rick, why do you think Ric Flair is in these... was in these Migo videos talking about the Ric Flair drip? They were putting him over. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> But, but yeah, uh, oh, it's so temporary. I, okay. So I didn't know. Oh, it's temporary. Okay. Yeah, it's an honorary. Oh, honorary. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't know if it was real or not, but I was like, this is absolutely something he'd be into because it's Chris Jericho. <laughs> but right. I'm glad it's real. I'm glad it's real. Good for him. But um, after that, we got Blackpool Combat Club. So Moxley, Yuta, and Cal- Claudio Castagnoli taking on Hangman Page, Evil Uno, and the returning Stu Grayson. A man that was, you know, during the match when I was watching it, I was like, this man's wrestling like he wants his job back. And lo and behold, it worked. He ended up getting re-signed to AEW. So congrats to Stu Grayson. Um, but yeah, this was uh, another good match. This crowd was very hot all night, too. Uh, yes. First time in Peg obviously and um yeah this one you know it was pretty cool too uh grayson was like a man possessed in this match yes he was great uh, i turned on my camera's head blow my nose um gotcha. so i want you to see me out here you know all you know all that i hear scissoring my nose scissor but yeah Stu, like, yeah, that man was like evil, evil Uno. Looks like he has kind of a uh, a new lease on life. Essentially, like a yeah. little bit like rougher and tougher kind of. He, he's uh, kind of presentation. I think like him, you know, bleeding the way he did a few weeks ago did a lot for him. Um, in that way, obviously, you know, the uh, being in Canada, but like, man, that match was really good. They set them up to like really shine because obviously, he's from a KP perspective. They should not. That match should not have been that competitive. But they're the heel, so that's what that's what their job is to make these baby faces, you know, feel like they got hope. And they did that. And Stu Grayson, he wrestled his ass. 
he was out there flipping and flying and you know um I don't know where you how you do this. I don't know that you're like uh you know how Jericho does the sports entertainer of the week on Rampage, like mm-hmm. the RLPW wrestler of the week. Like <laughs> Stu Grayson has to be in the discussion for what he was out there uh bringing to the game this week. He was he was out there <laughs> he, he was fire. out there like Iverson. <laughs> this game, this might be my last game. I got one shot. <laughs> yes. I'm going to show them what the game's been missing. That's yeah, true Grayson. Absolutely. Uh, glad and he got a shot at that. And, like, you know, now that we got, you know, Dark Order with Grayson and Uno back, like, they, look, that's a viable team to the tag division. Yeah. Like, ain't yeah. no reason. It, ain't it, no reason, they, why, they ain't no reason why they can't be the AEW World Tag Team uh, champions at this point. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I, I was into this match. Crowd got really into this match towards the end. Blackpool Pop Combat Club ended up winning when Grayson tapped out to a Moxley choke. Uh, BCC full with the heel stuff. Uh, Yuta using the ring bell. Uh, Claudio Casanova. I, I like his presentation as a heel so much yes. more. Um, but he was always yeah. great as a heel. Yeah. Yeah. He was Just always a, a great bully. Motherfucker, like. Right. They don't know his own strength and is out here just like just doing too much. It's It's fun. It's fun to have that back. Yeah. Um, after that, um, Moxley kept in the choke after the bell. Uno tried to make the save, but BCC beat him down even more. Silver and Reynolds ran out, and then BCC ran away. After that, um, Juice Robinson talked about Ricky Starks and said Ricky's not going to do, quote, Jack Diddley squat about it. When a man can't cuss, I don't know. I don't know, man. Do you remember... This is we talking about Goldberg. We're talking about Hogan. You remember like Hogan coming down in the Georgia Dome, and he's like, "I'm gonna kick Goldberg's butt." Yes, that that's what it felt like when when he said "diddly squat." I was like, "Oh, brother." Um, that Juice Robinson promo don't hit the same when he can't just use blame for profanity in a foreign language. Amazing, amazing how that works. Yeah. Um, uh, after that, we got a TBS Canadian Championship Open Challenge. Jay Cargo comes out, um, and then Nicole Matthews is in the ring. Know her from uh, Shimmer, and uh, she was in the Mayon Classic the yep. first year, fresh off of a, uh, or it's probably due to come up soon. She had that five-year ban uh, where she couldn't come to the U.S. She got squashed. Uh, I did like, not know about that. Yeah, she 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 couldn't come to the U.S. Like she got that uh that 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 ban the visa shit because she came Ooh. over here one time, Ooh. Uh, Ooh. and and you know got caught. Wow. So a Canadian like, illegal didn't know they that like, didn't know those existed. Same thing happened to Speedball Mike Bailey. Oh wow! That's why he was only able to come over here like last year or some shit. Wow. Yep. Wow. So. Jade hit the pump kick on her. Jaded, get her out of here. Uh, real quick. Then quick work. Renee, what's up? Say yeah, it real quick. quick. Quick work. Renee then interviewed Jade, and uh, Jade got in her face and basically said, uh, "You from Canada, right? Renee, you want some? <laughs> I, I, I. That is the way. That is the way. Renee got like you know how, how they want to say somebody got to wear the grease. Renee got to wear the grease. Money <laughs> was talking about that one time about arguing with some wrestler and you go too far and you have to wear the grease. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. So when that happened, like 
you know, your video clip of saying that, like, uh, Athena should continue to, to beat up white women flashed across my mind. I said it was Jay Cargill. And I thought it was hilarious. I was like, but but Renee is so likable and, and, and nice. Like, she don't deserve this, but she needs to get these hands at this time. Because it was just funny. It was like, you Canadian, ain't you? And she's like, oh, who's going to come save me? <laughs> who, who, who is going to save this porcelain princess? And then, then they played the music. Yeah, Taya's music hits. Don't know what the music is at first. And then immediately I was like, because I was like, oh, damn. Like when, when I saw it was Nicole Matthews, I was like, oh, it's not Taya. And then immediately, like after I sent that to the group, I was like, oh, shit. They're they're setting up a double thing. And it as soon as they, they started it. What's, what's up? It worked out better this way. Like yeah. having the decoy and having like the real person who's just doing the match right now. Jerichoism. Um <laughs> but yeah, uh Ty's music hits. She's coming out to some crank. It sounds like uh Josiah. Um then she gets in the ring. Uh she NXT beats Josiah? up Lula Gray. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think he did her song. Okay. Um Layla tried or Layla tried to attack Taya but caught the uh welcome to Valhalla, which is essentially Jade's move as well. Yeah. Uh she kind of stood kind of face to face with Jade, so she's like comparable kind of size wise to Jade. Yep. So notice um, that like Jade didn't wear heels. Yeah, well, I mean she had her wrestling boots on, so uh, well, yeah, yeah, withdrawn. I was I was yeah. throwing shots at Charlotte, but yes, you're right. Stupid. Uh, but Taya Valkyrie coming to AEW. I've never watched her over a long period of time. Uh-huh. Like she, uh, you know, I've caught her like in uh, AAA. Like random AAA shows, like yeah. in a multi-person undercard match that has like 12 people in it. Or um, I saw the Good Housekeeping match last year, which was like one of the worst matches I've ever seen in my life uh, <laughs> with her versus her husband. Um <laughs> And they also, and she's been an impact, and you know I haven't paid attention to impact outside of rare times. So Ace and Ace I, and Ace was, was, was telling you, bro, when AJ broke the the beer bottle over that man's head, that shit was lit. Like I was there, but <laughs> I remember you was watching that shit, and you told me that like Bully Ray was like was actually like in after he was getting his ass beat. And I was like, Josh, I was like, Rich. I don't say Josh, you know, Josh don't get me to be like, look, I'm telling you this right now. I'm done. <laughs> but, like, there's a line. In, I'm telling you, you know, to understand there's a line in the sand with this shit. But I was like, Rich, that shit's dumb. Let's go back to Taya. Taya. Okay. Um. So I don't, you know, I, I, you know, she's here. I, I'll give her a chance, see what she does. A lot of people are negative on it. Uh, I know we got a Why couple of friends in the show. Uh, I think it's that impact stink. Uh, also, like, uh, okay. she didn't really get over to a real extent to NXT. Um, not that like, wasn't really her job. That wasn't a role in NXT, though. Yeah, I was gonna say time. not like she had really much of a chance in NXT right. to, to it get was, over. It was, it was, NXT was circling the drain by the time she came in. She's um usually on like lower profile shows, like when it comes to like WrestleMania weekend. Like she's not, she doesn't end up competing in like the premier indies or anything like that. Um, So I think this is a chance for her to really appeal to people who haven't seen her yet Mm -hmm. and try to turn those people around other than the people that have uh, like kind of pre uh, preconditions of of what she can do. And um, 
it, it's time to step Jade up in class at least, yep. and she's someone that can come in and work with her. So, yeah. and she's been around a long time. So, I think yeah. that that also might be a, a reason people aren't high on her because it's like, all right, you're like, you're what? Well, I I don't know how old she is, but I, I think she's north of thirty five, and she's been in wrestling for a so, long yeah. time. So it's like people are like, what is the upside here? So like, um, the upside is getting is the achievement unlocked of Jay Cargill potentially having a good match, a good title match. That would really help. That would that would go a long way. Yeah. Um. So I I don't I don't know if she's the one, but um. So, you know, I, crowd would seem happy to see her. Of course, you yeah. know, if you're in Canada, so that's right. a it's a right. smart move. But um, I don't know. I, I don't know how this goes over. I'm I'm hands off now. You know, yeah. if it, if it goes bad, I'll let you know. Yeah. So uh, my opinion on Ty is I don't think she's some elite worker in women's wrestling. But she obviously knows what she's doing as far as being able to lay out a match. Um, I think that she's better at the tricks to get a match over than her athleticism uh, at this point. Uh, from what I was seeing NXT, at least. But that's been a while. Who knows? Um, but, you know, like, she's more than good enough to be on AEW television, given what, what is some of the stuff we see in the women's division. So after that, um, we got. Ricky it can't Stark. all be Jamie Hader and Hikaru Shida and Riho. <laughs> um, after that, we got uh, Tony Giovanni and Ricky Starks. who talked about Juice. He says he deserves attention, but Robinson hasn't done anything. Uh, Stark says the Bullet Club was last relevant in 2015, uh, but he should do something to stand on his own feet. I think Ricky Starks should pay better attention because he, you know, there were more. Like there wouldn't be no. Promotion. What is the name of the company? <laughs> you should, it, it doesn't strike me that Ricky Stars was paying attention to his New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, What's the name of the company? All Elite Wrestling. Who are the Elite? Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Hangman Page, Cody Rhodes. Weren't they like? What the fuck is he talking about? Like. Maybe he just botched a year. Like, yeah, obviously, you know what happened Maybe with um, Maybe it's the Soraya thing when Soraya was saying Tokyo Dome instead of uh, Sumo Hall. I don't know. But I was like, 2015? Nigga, AJ was there then. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so we got the first. And that's episode. also where we saw, you know, his condition. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, this we saw the condition. Like I've been paying attention to this before that. That's what uh, I, but that's when I noticed it. And it. This wasn't like some thing where you had been talking about it some time. But I was like, "Hold on, bro, what's going on? What's happening? Yeah, what, what, what? what? I want answers." <laughs> <laughs> um. So the first episode of QTV aired, uh, which is like a TMZ, yeah, uh, parody exactly what it is. deal. Exactly. Um, what it is. This was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> like, but it was just like, this is so like weird. I think it's going to take a couple of these and I think it's going to get over. Uh, think so? but yeah, as a, as, like, a hill, as a hill faction doing it. Yeah. Cause like the, the, I think the key with this thing is like, it's 90 seconds long. And if you can keep it like that, like people will look forward to this. They just got to kind of keep 
pulling kind of stunts, I'd say. Um, now, I'm not saying break in cars or, <laughs> and, and shit like that because they broke in. They, 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 they did a lot to try to get this over. Like, they fooled me 100% um, with this deal, like, with them breaking the car window. I thought World of Shit really got took. Um, I still don't but, know what's real and what's not with that. No idea. Yeah. Like, maybe they turned it to an angle. I think that's what I th- I feel like that's what happened. Like, because I'm like, bro, there's no way Warlow's that good of an actor. Like, like when I'm watching that video, I was like, bro, this dude looks heartbroken. Like, somebody in, like, piss, like. Right. Like, like right. Somebody and it looks like he's it. trying to, like, talk about, like, the, the mad shit he's got to figure out how to get gear for and all that kind of stuff while he's doing it and telling people, like, my shit got jacked. Yeah. Like, that's, that's some, like, he he's not that angle. good of a promo and actor. With yeah. Um. So uh, QT references uh, the ruthless aggression line. Uh, Solo says whatever's next for Warlow will be like Batista, but worse. Uh, I was like, God damn! <laughs> like that's fucked up. <laughs> Why are you marrying this man like this? Then um, uh, a new woman has emerged on the scene. Uh, I believe her name that? is Harley. Her name is Harley Cameron. Um, she actually is the wife of Zion Quinn in NXT. I actually did a song with her on Swerve Montezzi's, uh second album, GPS. A song called Dancing Night Away. She was a sing- singer. I recorded uh, her vocals uh, before. So uh, very pleasant young lady. I uh, had you know the uh, fortune of working with her. Um, but the uh, it's as far as his business. <laughs> He, he know ref, he know he knows wrestlers and talent that ain't even on team on TV nowhere. And they just show up and like, oh yeah, I know her. I met her. I've recorded shit. What? Yeah. When yeah, did this it, happen? This is like 2020. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but man. yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's I'm telling you, wrestlers not on TV. It's people on TV. I talked to a lot of people, uh, and I don't know how this ended up the case like it it just it just happens like that but um yeah uh as far as qtv uh i thought it was funny but i um uh, i feel like if i feel like it could work i also maybe have some um some hesitance from like what i heard originally was like the concept was like qt was gonna do like some uh, like dirt sheet, anti dirt sheet thing at the time, and then it mm-hmm. turned into this. So I kind of guess I'm out of my guard up for this. And like I thought that like the comedy felt too canned and camped, or not camped, mm-hmm. but uh, too canned. Like, you know what it felt like when I was watching it? It felt like that comedy they do on the, on the Office, like where they're zooming the camera around and shit, and then well, people that, well, are just like throwing uh, shit in. Uh, uh, Yes, but like those TM, you've ever watched TMZ for a little yeah. time? Like that was what they were trying to capture. Is that those kind of shots happen and whatever? So handhelds. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just felt like the comedy felt too. It, it just felt too, like I don't want to say robotic, too wooden in a way, right? Like gotcha. the, like that line that um, uh, what's your boy's name has the, the Batista Solo. line? Who said that? Aaron Solo. Yeah, the line that like that's a killer line, but like it was it was like thrown out as if like everybody is like it's almost like the whole everybody entire the whole coming. entire group is like the studio audience is supposed to be laughing at every single joke as they're telling off these jokes. And I don't know if that's 
them like parodying what happens on TMZ, but like when I watch TMZ, it doesn't feel like that necessarily. But maybe that's because like my a short sample, a small sample size. Evil. I don't know. I, I, I think, think that's the parody. Maybe. I don't know. Could be. Up next, we got the AEW International Championship, Orange Cassidy versus Jeff Jarrett, and man, this is a sad day. Uh, those this are, is a good you match. Know, yeah, this is a good match. Uh, this, this is definitely a good oh, match. Oh, I see what you're doing. Okay. It's a sad day uh, in the Jeff Jarrett strap him up agenda. I thought this was the time. Um, it is not. You're sick. Somehow Jeff Jarrett lost, but at the end of the day, Jeff Jarrett really won. I'll tell you why <laughs> Jeff Jarrett really won. I saw someone send a tweet out. I think it was Trevor Dame. He mentioned a great point. Somebody has been doing very strong quarter hours of late has been Orange Cassidy. Jeff Jarrett pulled the oldest trick there is. I'm I'm going. I've been working with someone that does good quarter hours. Bingo. Um, I'm going to, and, you know, knowing what they did uh, for the house show this weekend, they drew 3,200 people to Troy, Ohio. I don't even, I've never heard of that building ever. And like, where that shit was like that? it's in Ohio. I don't I have no I'm, idea I'm where looking it is. Up right now. But I I saw a bunch of video from the event. They didn't have some like stack card or anything like that. It looked like but uh all the all the stuff I saw pretty much was, you know, seemed pretty fun. Mox was bleeding at that shit. Of course. Um, <laughs> but Jeff who's at the center of that? Jeff Jarrett doing the promoting stuff. And it's like, bro, like this man is like sneakily like a very val becoming a very valuable part of what they're doing. And then what, what he did here, you know, attached himself to Orange Cassidy. This was the match we all wanted to see. This is one of my most anticipated matches. Like it like this is this is great. Like what what he's doing. The unit rocks. Um and, Okay, so you know, so Troy is like just north of Dayton. Okay. So like so basically like it's between Dayton's between like Columbus and I'm sorry, I don't know if you whenever this is like, but like Columbus is in the dead center of the state. I'm gonna say country, yep. and then like Cincinnati is on the on the state line on the river between um, Kentucky and uh, Ohio. Got you. So like I, when I hear Dayton, I think of old WWF house show town. Kind of. I think I think of the Flyers in the NCAA tournament. Honestly, mm, yeah, that's true. Um, and then. Um, yeah, as far as this match, like this ruled. Like this was like another Jeff Jarrett knows all the tricks, and Orange Cassidy has all the timing and all the uh, you know, the the great like television layout wrestler he is, and they put it together, and this this was awesome. Uh, they they use like the like Aubrey Edwards getting involved. Yep. There was like Satnam Singh, and it was like like damn, like Jeff Jarrett showed up too late. He could have came out here with Cody and like cracked the code. I think. No, the reason why this match worked is because since Cody has left, there's been a lot less of this. So therefore, it doesn't feel like such a trope. Like the thing with A, in my opinion, obviously, but like the thing with AEW is that you're liable to get a very, a very good version of anything from pro wrestling on a two hour show. So mm-hmm. like whether you get your, you know, your blood, your high flying, your technical wrestling, whatever, it's fun. So, like, without Cody here, you have there's been a lot less of the 
over-the-top theatrical gaga stuff that you would see in Memphis, for example. I don't mean to say Memphis because of because of Jared. Not I don't even mean like that, but it's like all of the gaga, all of the stuff that approaches dusty finishes, stuff that could like stuff that gets you where it's like interference, the interference, and then like heaps of it or whatever else, right? Like it's the same thing of like when Rich like. You know, I didn't like it when it first happened, but like the Hell in a Cell match between Roman and Jay that you loved. Mm-hmm. No, no, I didn't like the Hell in a Cell. I liked the the singles match. That was that one the first match. The first match was the Clash of the Champions match. Okay, so you liked that match at the beginning because of like it's it feels fresh because it's not overdone. But then like when you double and triple down and quadruple down the same thing, that's not just regular ass wrestling. Then it starts feeling like. Oh, this is the play you keep running. Right. Um, so like we haven't seen much of that, you know, we have some MJF stuff here and there, right? But like we have not seen much of that with Orange Cassie at all. So like it really worked because like one, Jared is a master of it because he's because he's one of the he's one of the macaroni Ric Flairs. He's an imp- he's, he's a macaroni nigga, imposter. So like that's Andre Thousand Line. It's not me. It's not no. I don't know. No, we're not going to discuss that. Are you going to have to discuss that? Put it. Put finish, on the show. See, so we'll talk about after. Finish your thought. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put finish on the show. Yeah. So, like, it worked to perfection. Uh, like even the stuff that's like when I'm on my mind, I'm you know my mind is I'm you know just thinking all the time. I'm just like, wait a second. Like they did say that like. Uh, Jay Lethal wasn't there or whatever else, and he shows up and apparently has some Emmy thing that he uses a weapon. Golden Globe. A Golden Globe. And then all of a sudden, Trent, after, you know, Sanjay and, and, and Satnam have been just fucking off and, and ruining Orange Cassidy all the time. He then finally decides to come out like, what a shitty best friend. And also, where the fuck is Chuck T? Chucky e. T. So, yeah. or, Dan, or Danhausen. Uh, so. I think yeah, Dan but it, it worked. Deck. It worked to perfection. They got when uh, when he got hit with the Golden Globe. The crowd really thought they were about to get fucked. And and Jeff Jarrett, you know, this fucking carny has scammed another uh, belt that he does not deserve out. And uh, crowd kicked out. Not for one second that I believe he was going to he was going to win, but the crowd bit for it. And I was like, and the crowd what the crowd kept getting hotter and hotter as more and more nonsense was happening. And I was like, it worked. Whatever. <laughs> Like I was entertained, and then at, at, at no point did I was like, "Enough," you know. At no point did I feel like, "Oh my god," and roll my eyes. It was just, it just worked. In like, it's not, you know, a steady diet of this, and that's why it worked. I saw someone say they got to link Jeff Jarrett up with the House of Torture on a pre-show for uh, Forbidden Door. Who said this? I, I think I just saw it on Twitter or some shit. Do I follow them? No idea. All right. Make sure I can, you know, who it is. Like, let me know so I can mute, block, depending on the relationship. I'm like, how dare y'all try to attach evil to Jeff Jarrett? Hell, not the no. same thing at all. Um, after that, like Jeff yeah. Jarrett shows ass. Right. Like, even to be fair, they do too. But like, the matches be terrible, and and then yep. and and like, it ain't even worth the juice. Ain't worth the squeeze, and them showing ass at the end of all it. We got promos from um. House of Black and Jericho Appreciate the Society. We also got a music video from Max Kasser. It's kind of just like, you know, kind of like a little victory lap. Um, I listen to, you know, I listen to the shows, watch the shows in headphones. 
That was not a good mix. Whoever did that, send that shit. I, to I didn't. Richard I didn't Lada, hear the mix. At, <laughs> I'm not gonna say the rest of it, but like, look, nah, that ain't it. That ain't it. If you need some mix, Max, you know, send, send it over. You, you know how to get in contact with me. Um, but speaking of hip hop, <laughs> again, <sighs> I thought I was gonna be able to avoid this. I shouldn't have said if you put a pin in this. All right, go ahead, man. Okay. Um, according to Dax Harwood, uh, Andre 3000 is one of the, as a lyricist, Andre 3000 got to be one of the best of all time, right? I don't know what this was for. I don't know what this is about. All I know is I don't trust it because it's one of those things where it's like, this is so obvious that like you can Google it and like the chat GPT or like the greatest or the, or you put in a Google search for greatest rap songs of all time. Like the, whatever white source you find this from, will will put him on the list for you. So it's like, what, what is happening right now? What What is happening right now? Like, I- I was more baffled by the replies. Like I didn't see the replies. Like what he was doing was, and, and I'm not saying you can't use this song, like you know, to cite this. Like he's playing the "Walk It Out" remix, which is just random. I'm like, out of like all the songs Andre 3000 has done, the song that you picked was the "Walk It Out" remix. You thought he was gonna play? Do you? Okay, I okay. So you know, as he mentions, he's a Family Guy, kids. Him playing Walk It Out, I believe it. I believe that far more likely than he's going to play the art of storytelling for. I I, 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 I find that far more believable. I, I really like, do. And then, like, how he's captioning it, like, bro, sis, all this stuff that he's saying in the tweets, like, when he's talking to people. I didn't like, see that part. It's like, what is going on here, man? Like, why are we doing this? Like, like why is he involving himself in this? Like, it's out of nowhere, by the way. This yeah. wasn't, you know, nobody was like, hey, Dax, who are like some of your, your greatest you know, rappers? Nobody said this. He just like decided one day he was listening to the Walk It Out remix on his own. And then it dawned pump. on him that Andre 3000 is a, is a special, like, a special with the words. Yeah. Thank, thanks, Dax. We, we we settled this one 25 years ago. Thank <laughs> you, though. <Do. laughs> we, we appreciate um, you joining us. Um, I. I don't know how he, he wouldn't know because if there was any rap that I assume Dash is listening to, it would be something like Eminem Till I Collapse where Eminem says it goes Reggie, Jay-Z, Tupac and Biggie, Andre from Outkast, Jada, Corrupt, Nas, and then me. So I figured he already knew. Right? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Um... You know, but you know, you know, hip hop. You know, is, is, is we've been talking about it all show. You know, is universal. You know, is you know at least like you know he likes rap. You know, unlike Zoe Stark, who you know decided to send something out. You know, okay, so the contrary, she said that, and because she's uh, obviously white passing. Ooh, people, another discussion that happened people, on Twitter. People immediately went in on she is. She is, you know, doing the rap is crap, whatever, right? And her response was, my my dad's a light skin. I don't give a fuck. Right? <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't care. Like, people, people. She lost that people battle feel, a long time ago. People feel like you were talking in code. And whether or yep. not uh, 
you accept that is one thing, and maybe that's a bit unfair, but your response to be is like, your response to that is be like, well, my dad's like, who said your dad liked rap? Right. What if your daddy was Michael Jordan? <laughs> Fuck rap. Michael <laughs> Fuck rap. Just like Noriega did in the, in the thing yep. when he said that he that Michael Jordan took his black <laughs> took his black country ass to the to the Def Jam Christmas uh party and only wanted to talk to Mariah Carey or Jay-Z and then when everybody else in the rap game that has bought thousands of dollars worth of his shoes or whatever else and merchandise wanted to talk to him, he told them, fuck rap. <laughs> Michael Jordan is an asshole. Hey, Bro, man, this show has gone all over the place. We were talking yeah. about Audrey Thousand in in Dax. Look, to now I, talk I just, about that. Hey Zoe, sir, I just you know, I just appreciate you know. Either way, I just gotta let know, let her know. Black music wins. You know, either, either way. way. You know, okay. yeah. Either way, <laughs> black music wins. Either way, yeah. And like, it was just one of those things where it's like, when you're on Twitter. And you are, um, it's a drag for people, right? If you're on Twitter and got a bunch of followers, luckily yeah. I don't. Um, if you say something innocuous, right? You'd be like, Anything I like, you, you know, I like toast, right? Somebody oh, can dude. hop in there and be like, well, my dad died because he had a gluten allergy. You asshole. <laughs> that happens, right? We've seen, we've seen that tons of times. So this could have been just an innocuous tweet is like, hey, I I prefer I don't know what the exact words were, but like I like rap more than or I like rock more than rap. But you can't say that on Twitter because Twitter has an algorithm uh in all and all stuff that's happened since 2016. You you can't just say that in a, as a blanket statement and, and just you know just shut off the app and move on with your day. And I I I feel bad for her, but she should have known that. And and she also should have known that what wasn't gonna fly from nobody that took offense to her is her posting up her her, her damn light skinned daddy. You don't give a fuck. What were you thinking? You thought I was no. gonna save you? You thought you had a black pass? Disgusting. Because you're Disgusting. an octoroon. What? Yeah, man. I don't know what that was. Um. So, uh, the outcasts, <laughs> the aptly named outcasts, were here. Oh, the that's where we should have put it. That's what we should put. We should have put this before that. Okay, yeah. let's go. Look at this. How it syncs up. Oh yeah. Ruby Soho sure. says uh, the grass used to be greener in AW until some bitches came along and peed on it. What do they do with bitches? And then uh, they put them down. Soraya says that you know we're going to show AW's uh, her her house. Uh, w- without the outcast, there wouldn't even be a women's division, which made uh, no sense, but was hilarious. And I was like, "This yeah. is going off the rails. This was going well until they Bro. handed the mic to over to Soraya, and then the crowd like, started don't, booing. Don't be- and then Soraya, like, I don't know if this, like, this was actually like what she had planned to say, but mm-hmm. I thought this was the funniest thing I heard all week in pro wrestling. After she, after she said that, she called a bunch of people about like sweaty twat or something like that, and then she yells into the mic, "I am a miracle!" <laughs> what? What is that? I am a miracle. What does that? What does that mean? I think she was talking about her neck. <laughs> about and like her, the fact her. That she came back to wrestling. Like what? Yeah. what I, that 
okay, maybe so. That does not like give me the proper context. That can mean anything without context, and that's hilarious. I want that to be like put on like Matthew and Botchamania and all that stuff. But when something crazy Might happens well. for wrestling, like some shit that shouldn't have worked, worked and you'd be like, I am a like in the background, you'd be like, I am a miracle. Because that was hilarious to me. Sorry, it was. It popped me. It popped um. me. This that like I think last week I said it when Ruby cut that you people promo and she made it work that like, as far as I'm concerned, she's a leader case in point. Another example. She is a leader. That thing was on the road. And then Soraya just said, skrr on 22s. Fuck that. We doing something else. Yes. Yes. Um, Westbrookian. Said there wouldn't even be a women's division. I advise her not to play around with that idea in front of this audience because (laughs) they might just take you up on it. Um, <laughs> Tony Storm gets the mic. Uh, she says the fans don't even she, know what they want. To, Tony Storm got the mic, and she had to figure out like how she was gonna try to salvage this. So she said the, the outcast ain't going nowhere. They're having too much fun going through one entitled rookie after the other, but some of them aren't rookies. Right. Um, they started talking about Jamie Hader and her and Britt Baker uh, sprint to the ring in denim. You know, because they're in Canada. They were in the Canadian tuxedos. Oh, my they God. They attack, but their attack falls short because, obviously, they're outnumbered. Um, Baker gets uh, Ruby Soho's finish hit on her. Hater hit Storm Zero, or takes a Storm Zero. But Riho ran out, brandishing a pipe, uh, you know, and followed by, like, the rest of the babyface army of Sky Blue and Will Nightingale and... Um, Reho with the pipe, just one of the hilarious images that exists now on the internet. People immediately put her up there doing it, you know, like Sting with the baseball bat, (laughs) yes, all that shit. Like it was, it was great. I only wanted Rio to be in the denim. Also, that was the only other thing that I would have wanted, but didn't get it. That's okay. Rio got the pipe, um, and you know that was. You know, not no reasons for for Rio to hold the pipe. We know Rio's weapon. So you remember, like in the video games, like what is the weapon that's with this character? Rio has the pipe. So I did not know about any of this segment until Saturday. I did not see the reaction to any of this. I'm just watching it, and I'm like, "Well, shit went look. Shit went left when." When Saraya got the mic and then she just and then she dropped that I'm a miracle and that shit just staggered me and, and rocked me and I was stammered for a minute and I just couldn't and then Riho runs down and as she runs down I'm looking is that a lead pipe and I'm like and I look I look at the size of the pipe and I fucking start howling because this it might be bigger than her than her triceps and biceps and she clears the ring out. And I'm like, this is fucking hilarious. Like, this this woman that always that we've always seen as nothing but just pleasant and happy and nice, and she's coming up to the ring with a, she's coming down to the ring with a weapon to fuck shit up. <laughs> she's ready to move furniture in this bitch. I was fucking done. It killed me. Rich, I have uh the, the pictures that you mentioned, I have sent to you the messenger if you would like to show to the like for the stream uh, and later uh for, for the clip of this. Man, it was uh it was hilarious. 
I I could not. Send and like the Facebook pipe messenger. is so the pipe is so fucking big that like it's like re, I, I don't even know if like Rio had struggled going down the ramp with like the di- difference in balance with that thing. And it's just it was great. It was great. Just fantastic. Oh. So I'm like, showing Riho now with the pipe. Yes, I see it. I see it. Yeah, on man, the warm like, part. And I believe there's another photo here. Yes. Oh, yes. Nope. That's another. That's, like, that's a different pipe, one. Like sting with the bat. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, man. Just, just outstanding. Like this, this as a segment. If we were to grade it, like as an actual regular rest segment, th- this is this is below C, right? The unintentional comedy happened before Off me. The charts. Through the Richter scale, through the Richter All scale, charts. Yeah, man. I don't. I don't know how anybody else viewed this thing. Uh, as far as like outside of us, they laugh at this kind of stuff. But like, it wasn't good. Objectively, well, not good. But the parts of it was just fucking <laughs> hilarious. And like, so it's a thumbs up for me, even though it should not be. It should just should not. I'll take it. Yes, I'll take, I'll take it. it. I'll take Especially it. Especially like you know some of the stuff they've been uh, they've been at it with. Um, yes. I, I do have the Roman Reigns audio um, of the what he said to Cody Rhodes oh here. Boy, so, let's uh, hear it. You ran away. And what happened? You ran away. You started a company and a promotion that you couldn't get over in. You couldn't get over. Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> the big dog not lying there. Um, well, he did get over. He just couldn't get the belt. He, he, he got over, but he couldn't stay over. <laughs> no, no. He, he got over, and then it was like, well, we want you to stay over as a heel. And he was like, well, I don't want to be a heel. Well, then get going, brother. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what was Cody's response? People were saying it was corny. Uh, I mean, well, it's, it's, I mean, it's Cody. He's a white baby that's, face. It's probably going to be thing. something like all shucksian. It's going to, you know. So um, after that, we have the three-way trios match. <laughs> between the House of Black, the Elite, and the Jericho Appreciation Society. Um, this whole thing was, um, you know, it, it was the race to get Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega in the ring and everybody spoiling it and, you know, taking turns spoiling it yes. or interrupting it. Uh, and a lot of like, you know, a lot of stuff going on everywhere in this match. Just tons of moves, uh, tons of like face-offs uh, in there. And I thought Kenny was really making this thing go. Crowd was really into him and Jericho, and the idea of seeing them in the ring. It was like kind of like this full circle kind of moment. Being in Winnipeg, Don's on commentary, and it was like, yeah, man, these guys had a fucking match at the Dome that fucking set uh, the, the path for this shit. And here they are, in the main event. Uh, this was pretty cool, um, and. You know the they they the match I think kind of went off the rails at the end and it went silent because you know I think people wanted one of those teams to win but of course I, I don't of course so of course they kind of got stuck there uh, yeah. on that ending but as far as like with all this like that's what set the, up, to be fair that's what in similar fashion to like the Haluba kick to Roman after Roman wins or like the Rock like laying out. Austin or Vincent Triple H like after WrestleMania um, 16 is like we know you were giving you the finish you didn't want but we want to see you home happy so let's let's do that that's exactly what this was like the post match yeah. 
Yeah. So like um, throughout the match, there's like a there's a brawl going on between uh, Blackpool Combat Club and members of the Dark Order. They end up fighting their way down by the end. Uh, and they want to attack Hangman, uh, and, and Hangman's in the ring. All of a sudden, uh, Hangman is uh, kind of left a three-on-one, but he yeah. isn't alone because the elite rise up behind him, and, man, it was a great moment. <laughs> now, you know, like, Sir Sam gets a lot of shit about, like, being into, like, uh, symbolism and storytelling in pro wrestling and being passionate about it. When you said that like he was in there and he didn't realize and he, and he thought he was alone in my mind, like the, the people that would like dislike Sam in his tweets would be like in Sam's voice, but little did he know he was never alone crying emojis, right? Like uh, whatever. But yeah. Um, and they then missed like the time the to get him to turn around and realize it, but it is what it is. We knew what they were going to set up. They were going to stare at each other. They were going to go, go black. Crowd was into it. Um, I do like this. The idea It's funny, but the idea that like Blackpool Combat Club and the Dark Order had been scrapping in eight page, been scrapping the whole night from from like from mm-hmm. like the first hour all the way to in the back. I also like the idea that like John Moxley and John Silver are on concrete. John Moxley has uh. Is on top of him, but uh, Silver has full guard up. But like nobody talked about how unbelievable is it. Like it looked like on camera, like John Mox is wrestling a uh, a a small a little person. But you can't say that because one, John Silver's raw, and two, John Silver's arms are bigger than John Moxley's. So nobody, so no one, so but, they don't call him the Meat Man for no reason. <laughs> But like it is funny that like I I noticed that but like if this had happened like in 2019 it, it people would uproar. John Moxley's out here fighting this, this 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 little person. What the hell is this? This AAW is crap. No one said a word about this. Look, they have won. They won in that sense that like because four years ago people would have been like it, that's absurd that like he didn't get to get destroyed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I consider it. I consider it a win. Like they've been like send him out there to get destroyed. Like he's um you know, uh, Lance Archer beating the hell out of um Marco Stunt or something. Yeah. So like the, the whole thing goes at, at the end. Like BCC backs off from the elite. They're like, hey, we're outnumbered. Whatever. We're out of here. Heyman's going to turn around, but you know they cut off air. Yeah. I think they did that intentionally. Um, but the cool thing with it like everybody like sent out the photos they were all kind of standing in, in the same like kind of positions they were at revolution tag 2020 mm-hmm. uh, and you know i think the promotion even sent out like a like a aw branded photo like of like shadows from that uh you know that specific event but looks like it's going to lead into uh the elite uh reformed in some form but there's still looks to be problems with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page because there's like there's a change in the hierarchy that, that's gone on and that hasn't really been addressed. Like um like Hangman's not a not a uh, a uh, young boy. He's not a not a uh lower level guy anymore. So uh how they come to terms with that is kinda, you know, you know, we'll, we'll see with that. And then of course does he like want the moder- IWGP US title? He does not hold the IWGP US title. No, I'm asking does Adam uh, Page want that? Oh, um, I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, you, I mean, you can get a crack and come get dropped with a one-ring angel. It's fine with that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's also the the Don Callis stuff swirling with Takeshita. There's Obushi out there at, at any point. There's a lot of, like... Obushi uh, <laughs> been out here swirling around this promotion for, like, four years. Bro, like, all this shit is, like... But it's like coming together now. Like it's actually like a possibility. Like now, do you so. remember that fucking vignette thing that Omega had ran about New yes. Japan bullying their relationship? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh man! So like, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of elite stuff going on. There's a great BTE ep- episode um, today. I would hi- highly advise anybody to check out and would care about s- such a thing. Um, but. BCC versus the Elite. This is this is what I wanted last year. So um, let's get to it and l- let's get these matches. Let- let's start pairing them off. Let's run it. Yeah. Um. If this is the blood and guts uh, match, then yeah. And and, and they finally or get to anarchy match. in the arena. One of one of the two. Uh, I mean, I would prefer to be. <laughs> Why not blood, I would prefer to be blood and guts because like. The idea that like they get the match beyond with Cody gone is just beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. But uh, but yeah, um, it could be Anakir in the arena or whatever Mossy called it to not be the Stadium Stampede. Yeah, could be that too. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's I think that's a really hot uh, program. Like, and you know they got a. Uh, I'm interested in, in seeing what they do with it. So like you know the elite story continues. Like yeah, is- um and. AEW badly needed this. Um, like outside of outside of uh, MJF, really, there is no top story to follow in the promotion in the way that you can follow like what is going on with the bloodline, um, what what was happening or what is going on with like Tam and Julia, for example, in Stardom, um, and you know, as much as I as much as I enjoy most of what they do um on a week-to-week basis like the long-form story stuff is like was the best things they were doing um in aw to start with like what was happening with you know basically the hangman versus the elite storyline um so yeah i'm i'm happy that they're going back to this and i'm happy that they're doing it with john moxley who has two of the better rivalries in the promotions history with adam page and Kenny Omega, so it's so all Look, of that's and, there at play. And, and, and so does Brian Danielson whenever fuck he comes back. <laughs> and also the interplay of like, is he actually with them, or are they going to tease that he's not with them and eventually reveal that like he is with them because like, you know, because like he left and then they turn heel. So mm-hmm. like that's also at play. Like all this stuff, they're adding layers to it. Like all that stuff, all the onions are there, or all the layers of the onion are there to peel over the weeks. Like, like I think they're, like, I think they're I think I think I think they might be getting their swagger back. Like you start adding in like your Danielsons or like Takeshita or Obushi or you know all these people like you know Wheeler Yuta is going to get a chance to like mix in this stuff and yeah. the Bucks will probably find you know their form uh, in, in some form or fashion and it's amazing that everybody had clamored for elite to face off against like CM Punk and like FTR. I'm like beat Blackpool Combat Club is staring you right in the face with better wrestlers. Like what are we talking about here? Like I mean, <laughs> so, and, and look, that is still at play potentially like in you know later in the year if all things whatever else. They're still there. 
I mean, so. look, if they are going to be heels, I mean, if CM Punk is going to come back and accept being a heel, go ahead and slot. Look, the elite versus like, it's a way better version of like the, you know, what's going on with the AEW women's division versus like the outsiders from the, or the ex-WWE years. It's a way better version of it. Mm-hmm. Like, because they actually have roots in the promotion. They've, you know, uh, they've been champions. They've been ROH champions, AEW world champions. They've been to finals for, you know, uh, for winning the title and all that kind of stuff with like Claudio and Moxley and Danielson. Like they have the scars where like, you can, if you want to, you you can root for them instead of the elite if you want to, and it'd be really fine. The thing that's the problem with like this AEW women's thing versus like the WWE women in AEW is just like it don't feel it feels like they cooked this up to make you care as opposed to you care and then the story was and then you also have that story that you can reach into. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just um, obviously you know they could do that. And look, CM Punk with Moxley and Danielson and Claudio. I, I, that would be that would be interesting. That would be interesting. Um, but yeah, whatever. Like you know, whatever they want to do. Right now, they have they have the germ of something that could be great. They absolutely do. So yeah, let's. Uh, I guess that was AAW Dynamite. Um. So, there's only one thing left for me to do, and that is hit the music. Stardom. Okay, so... um. Last weekend, they had their first show since the uh, the uh, Triangle Derby Final. Um, it was in Corrigan Hall, and I thought this show got them off to a great start on the road towards Yokohama Arena um, for, like, setting into place, like, things in motion, get you interested in matches that are already on the card, and... Um, have you interested in, like, the road... Um, especially like Hameka's retirement road, um, which we'll talk about, um, as far as like some of the car, some of the matches they've already had, some of the matches that, uh, happened this past weekend that aren't up yet, but like, uh, the, the, the big heat around that, uh, building up the main event and also other matches that like they have down the road. It's, uh, they're like all the stuff that I complained about with like, they did this tur- they did this trios tournament and it's in the way of like them building towards stuff. It's out the way and they're like just we know, we know we didn't do it for two months. We're about to just give it all to you right now, James. And I, I was really happy for it. So um at this Corker Hall, it was uh eight matches. One of them was not um put up and uploaded because it involves uh FUA. Now I don't think we've really talked about FUA um on the show yet. But um, mm-hmm. she is a internet personality YouTuber that is, like, super famous. Like, one of the, like, top biggest, like, internet personalities in Japan. Um, 
she started training to do a match a few months ago, did one in stardom that was on a pre-show on a pay-per-view that like, uh, it didn't get aired. It was on dark. It was like on a pre before the, the dark matches and they, it was, she was tagging with Hazuki, um, versus Kamatani. And I think it was like Hina. Um, and they can't air her stuff because like her stuff has TV rights to somewhere else. Like she's that big of a star. She has like own TV show shit. So, um, this match is not allowed to be aired yet, so it has been uploaded, but, um, she's not in the match, but, like, she basically comes out and, like, says that she wants to be at, um, Yokohama Arena, um, and wants to wrestle there, so we'll see what the match is, but, uh, yeah, so, um, seven matches, or eight, but seven that we were able to see, uh, the opener is a three-way number one contendership for the, uh, future belt, Ami's future belt, it is, uh, Miyu Amasaki versus Hina and Rina, um, so it's, you know, two Queen's Quest, but it's also the two of the sisters, and it's a lot of conflict and battling between, like, what's more important, the sisterhood or, or actual, you know, the real sisterhood, uh, of Queen's Quest or, uh, of being sisters. And, um, ultimately at the end, uh, Hina seemingly has the match won over Amasaki, uh, but then Hina runs in and, and, uh, lays out Hina, and, uh, Rina is the winner. Um, so she will, uh, get a number one contendership match against the uh, winner of later in the show, the future belt match between Ami and Lady C. So, um, second match is Kaguma, Momokogo. Actually, I'm sorry, it's a three way tag match. It's uh, Kaguma, Momokogo versus We Love Tokyo Sports, Saki in, uh, in, in Death, and um, Ram Kaicho and Micah, uh, who are still around on the tour. So, it's a comedy match. They start the match and uh, Kaguma is doing the bear, her bear, you know, the bearism and Ram at first, I didn't know what's happening. But second time when they do it after the match, I realized that like she was playing dead because like, it's a, like a wives tale that like, if you play dead, bears won't attack you. They'll leave you alone. Cause they don't want, you know, dead, you know, a dead body or something like that. So they start doing comedy. Um, and at the end, death, ends up rolling up uh, Momokogo with uh, O'Connor roll and stuck stuck the tongue out like Jordan, of course. Um, so yes, sir. So at this point, I think this is when you start you, you tuned in, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So then you get a futures belt match. Match. You get Ami Saray versus Lady C. Uh, this is Lady C's first singles title match. Um, and they had a press conference for this. And she talked about like how badly she wanted to win, and you know how she is. She's like she's really into, um, you know. Obviously, it's not, it's not as like I don't want to say pathetic. Uh, it's not <laughs> as um. There's it's more dignified than Waka's, but like mm-hmm. you still feel the same thing. Like she's got, we've seen her get her ass whooped for for you know two years at this point. There's still time for her to win the belt before the three year uh, window closes. I would like it would be nice to see her, given that she's improved so much over her first year to now, to uh, to see if she what she could do uh, in a titles match situation. And like they had a really good match. Like they first trade off chops and they start training off like the Kabashi machine gun chops in the or, or I'm sorry uh, Kojima machine gun chops in the corner. And um, 
ultimately at the end, Ami just uh, proved to be the better, the better uh, big woman wrestler and put her away with the Gonzo bomb and got the win. But like, I thought I that gonna... like Lady C showed a lot of heart and the crowd really wanted to see her win. Um, yeah, but I thought it was a good match. I gave it three flat stars. Big big choke slam from Lady C for a near fall. Yeah, uh, I, I was gonna say this is like wow with Hameka on the way out of the promotion. Like this is like. Michael fighting Hameka, but like less experience. <laughs> like this is yeah. like the new version of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that's also an, uh, nothing when we haven't been covering um, Triangle Derby was that like Lady C was teaming with Hameka and Micah. And if you remember in Tag League, she also was forced to an odd couples tag team with My Sakurai, who she didn't like because like she didn't like how My. Double cross cosmic angels to join Donald Mondo. So, like, she's tagged with a DDM member in the tag league. She tagged with, you know, another DDM tag team in Triangle Derby. So, like, Micah's like, you like us, don't you? How about we, how about you join Donald Mondo and we change your name to Lady D? <laughs> and, like, so, like, throughout the tournament, uh, throughout the tournament, has been a lot of, like, at first, she's like, absolutely not. I love Queen's Quest. I would not do that. Uh, even though, like, when a lot of people thought that, and I thought, like, she was going to end up in, like, Domino Mondo or something like that. It's like a penny for them. But, like, maybe with Hameka leaving, there opens up a spot for her there. And yep. as you mentioned, like, they've, they've done the work to get it to that point. And, like, they have talked about, like, slowly, like, she's unsure where she's going to end up, but she's going to give a decision eventually on where if she's going to stay or leave. But, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, good match. Uh, so I, you know, um, Ami, if you put Ami in there with someone competent, she's gonna have a good match. I don't know if she's gonna ever reach the level like uh, like Hannon was at that point because that was like, that yeah, was, you know. But yeah. um, her next title defense is going to be I don't know when it is, but like it's going to be versus Rena. Um, so like that should be good. Uh, so then you get uh the tag match. You get God's Eye Shuri and Mariah versus uh. Momo Queen, and Kid. Momo and Kid of Oedo Tai. I, I forgot Oedo Tai blanked. So, um, match is pretty pretty standard. It's like it's pretty much a singles match between Mirai and Kid, who had a really good match at uh, the Grand Prix uh, last year, and Momo and Shuri, who they've always they're always good together. And um, ultimately, at the end, you have Mirai coming down at the end and getting the pin on, um on kid and then kid played it up like it was no big deal and then they went head to head um and like i'm sensing like they're both jockeying for real estate and like inside track to get to that white belt between both of them and i like that um but yeah i thought it was a really good match i ended up giving this three and three quarters yeah that's probably what i give it to i think um i think momo and starlight kid are so fun together as a team like starlight kid really had our working boots on as far as like uh going like top speed like she wasn't slowing down for shit right uh, in this match so um then you know shuri's just kind of you know hanging out in the cut yeah yeah <laughs> um like remember I, i'll tell you but like there's this goof, there's this gigantic big goofball side of shuri yep the second that she her mat her her shoulder pinned to that mat for three and um in in sumo hall it just came back like the first show back um, was the first night for um, Triangle Derby. Triangle Derby, and I was there, 
and you and then they show the player intros and she's in there like just dancing and goofing around. I was like, oh, goofball Shuri is goofball Shuri is back. Like over um the show after this, her and like Mayu are like playing tag post match. Like it, it like you'll see it more and more. Like it's not like a bad thing. She still has great matches or whatever, but like you just see more of a person as opposed to just like I'll kill you. Mm-hmm. So it's fun, um, but yeah, um, I thought that I thought Mariah was really, really into this match. Had a lot of juice, run off the ropes, and all that kind of stuff. And like her and Momo, or like her and Kid, are really good together. But yeah, um, really good match. So, um, as I mentioned, the, the uh, Stars versus Domino Mono match wasn't uploaded because of the fool situation. It'll be uploaded eventually, and if it's worth anything, we'll talk about it then. But it's not. But uh, the the gist of it is that Fua announces after the match that she wants to participate in Yokohama Arena. Um, so there's that. So then you end up getting, um, Tam, Mina, and Mariah May versus Queen's Quest, Utami, Kamatani, and Azumi. And, uh, yeah, um, you know, we've talked about this before, but like the initial worries about like Mariah's inclusion in the stardom, the lack of guidance we've had, she's good. She's always, every time she's been in these tag matches, She's been good. She's been confident. She holds up her end of the bargain. That's all I'm asking for her. She holds up her deal. So, like, I don't know if people's opinions have changed on her or not or whatever else. I hope they have in that, in that like, you know, reluctance to, you know, have actual guidance that don't speak the language like Tekla in. Uh, mm. So, yeah, like, she's she's good with me. She's good for me for the, for the long run. She keeps this up. Um, another good match. Um, her and... Um, you pretty much had Tam and Tommy have a section of the match where they, you know, suplex each other and no sell, and it was awesome. And then uh, you have the beginning session of Mina and Kamatani, and they're selling you on the match, and like they keep get, they keep getting better and better together. They really Yo, do. Like people think it's a game with Sai Kamatani, like like it's like it's all pretty in here. Nah, man. Like she'll just punch, like hit you in the face with the elbow or the punch, like. Like she beat the shit out of fucking Mina in this match. <laughs> like, bow, 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 just, just straight in the face. Just, I loved it. Yeah, they were right together. They like, they've done this before. Obviously, when they had their match, uh, like getting out of Grand Prix, like selling the match. Like they're they're getting better and better. And like, obviously, I think that match that they had was like approaching four stars, but it wasn't like one of the better Kamatani defenses at that time. I think this is where they have their best match together and like they kill it. And obviously they're both looking for that. And, you know, hopefully nerves don't get the best of Kamatani and all this stuff. But yeah, like, I don't know who's going to win a lot. of pe- A lot of people expect Mina to win this. I'm not so sure, but given like, uh, the pay-per-view immediately after this in, in Fukuoka, um, and who could be potential, you know, people they want to put in a big spot to win a belt there or whatever else. But yeah, um, Either way, I expect them to have a great match um, and better than the one they had, you know, before the unfortunate incident at the end. Uh, but yeah, um, I end up giving this three and three quarters like a lot. And then you end up getting the semi-end event, um, Hameka Retirement Road, Hameka versus Nasapoi, and they start the match. Oh, let me start again. When they had the press conference for this match, they both sit down at a table about a foot away from each other and... Neither one of them can look at each other, like turn their head and look at each other, looking both straight forward, like like so. Like both my hands are both facing like this. And the camera is showing Hameka, and Hameka is like, you can see on her face, like she's waiting to hear an apology of some sort. 
and Nasapoy is like looking around and looking down and looking guilty and looking like, ah, mm-hmm. uh, do you want me to say something? Because I followed my heart and I don't feel like I owe you an apology. So after after you know some silence, awkward silence there, and they're sitting together. Hameka stands up and says, "Well, I guess there's nothing left to say." She sticks her hands out. And for a handshake, and then Natsupoy shook her hand, stood up and shook her hand, and they walked off, and it was awkward. So they meet uh, at this match, they Don't shake hands, and they shook hands, and after they shook hands, Hamega slapped the shit out of Natsupoy. Yeah. And then Natsupoy slapped the shit out of her back, and then it went back and forth with big-ass slaps, and then uh, the match basically broke down to the natural storytelling that is Hameka is so much bigger and so much stronger than her. <sighs> And she overwhelms her with size. And, you know, most Hameka matches is she's going to body slam you. And then she's going to, like, put a knee into your back. And she's going to get a single leg crab and try to work over your back to try to get to the torture rack. And um, tried and true Hameka fashion. Did all that. And um, since Triangle Derby, Natspoy is added in this, uh, added in these rolling arm bars and, like, flash finish arm bars for submissions. And... She ends up getting uh, Hameka in compromised position with with a bad left arm, and you get to a point to where like um, she has her up for the rack, and she grabs the left arm, turns into a rolling armbar, end up on the ground, and I I believe um, at a later point gets the armbar again, and Hameka has to like you know basically like clean jerk her up and then power bomb her. It was awesome, and. Um, Ultimately, big moves back and forth, and Nasapoy gets one last grasp at the arm, roll the arm bar, gets it, and Hameka is forced to tap out. I gave this four stars. I I I really like this match. Um I, I I it was really good and like, you know, um it's a match that I had wanted like the second that, she, that you know, second that she left Don Elmondo was like I need to see these brackets for who's in what block because, like, I'm scheduling that. Ultimately, it was you know Nasapoy and Julia in the blue block together. But I'm glad they. I'm glad we got this still. Yeah, this is a very heated personal match. I'd like to thank Hameko for for inflicting that pain and that punishment, <laughs> even though you had to submit at the end. Uh, I appreciate it personally for for you taking out uh, your frustrations on um, this untrustworthy. Uh, individual uh, in Nassipoy, <laughs> and um, you know, I, you know, just just one more for Hameka on the road. Uh, you know, you got you to put her over. I get it. Uh, well, there we'll talk about it on uh, the show after this. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's Nassipoy and and Hameka are not done on this retirement tour. There's a lot more in store. Gotcha. So yep. maybe maybe the game will come back to Hameka. It already has. So, um, the main event, Goddess of Stardom tag team title match, Nanai and You versus BMI or Seven Up. That's the name of the tag team versus BMI Two Thousand, uh, Nasakotura in Rowaka, and I already had a. Uh, a uh, presumption that this match was going to be at the least very good because their match on the final night of the tag of the uh, of the of um, tag league was very good. This match, 
I, I have a foggy memory because it was so long ago. This match may may have been equal or may have been a little bit better because of like Rowaka, the storyline of Rowaka staying and in, in hanging in and kicking out of stuff at the end. But mm-hmm. same thing, big, strong, tough women beating the shit out of each other, and Rowaka and uh, Rowaka having to hang in there versus you in um and kick out of stuff versus Nanai as well. And I, I and like ultimately they had to they had to pull out the kitchen sink to put them away, and like a showing of heart that like you rarely see from. Oedo tires outside of Starlight Kid or Momo Watanabe. Uh, it was refreshing in that way. I really enjoyed this match. I'd probably go... I'm, I'm debating on giving this four, but I'm not. I'm just going to go three and three quarters. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd go that. I'd probably go like three and a half, but... Okay. This, this is the best match I've ever seen Nasco Tour in, <laughs> like, involved in. Um, this was a lot of, like, big people falling on each other at the yes. end. Throw um, weight around. <laughs> <laughs> it was like who's who's gonna stand up? Who's who's gonna have have some left at the end? Um, I don't anticipate Nanai and you losing before um, at least the, the Waka match at least. Um, which you know, go Waka! Like let, let, let's get this W Waka. Um, but yeah, I I enjoyed this match too. Yes, so I. I like the way you utilizes her weight in the way where it's like, I don't know if you watched it, but like a lot of people like during, during the G1 uh, last summer were like when Bronson Reed, like the crowd would like, you get here to, you get here like the crowd like change when like Bronson Reed, like approached that top rope for the big splash. Like when you get on that second rope, the crowd is like, "Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> the game finna change!" Like, like the momentum is finna stop or the match finna end. And um, she splashed Rawaka once, and then she got back up there again and did the whole like jump on the rope thing. Like the the the, the crowd of the crowd was into it. I don't think I've ever like you mentioned. Like you think this might be the best NASCAR match you've ever seen. It's yeah. a, it's up there. Uh. As far as um, it's up there for me too as well. I've never heard a crowd react to uh, react to a uh, a NASCAR match like this outside of maybe like the retirement match with Hazuki in 2019. That's it. Like this this stuff with Nanai and you. It, like once the bell rings, it always gets over. Always. Mm-hmm. Um, is 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 really interesting that way. So. After the match, they asked for who's going to be next challengers. And um, I didn't really think of who it could be. But, like, Ami and Mirai walk out. And, um, you know, Mirai won a tag match earlier in the show. Ami won the Futures belt. And they challenged them for Yokohama Arena. So you're you're going to get you're going to get a dandy. <laughs> you're basically going to get denying you versus, like, the new Mahime. So that's going to be fun. Um, I think that's the perfect place to put them over, um, or to change, change tiles right there. So yeah, um, for the, you know, the Nanai Tractors, this was a very successful title run or it still is or whatever. Um, they're one of the, they've had one of the better title reigns in the, in the promotions history. Like they get a three and a half star, three and three quarter star match out of Nasco Tori Rowaka. That's achievement unlocked. That's not that's not easy. In the main to do. event. Not many have. 
right? And then they've had some killer, you know, they've had killer matches in the in the uh, in the tournament. They had killer match, killer defenses as well. They they're they are absolutely one of the better tag teams in this promotion's history in this short era or in this short run that they've had so far in the, of the month. So yeah, um, moving on to uh, three eleven. Um, I'm just going to skip to the main event. Um, the main event is Tam and Nasapoy versus Mai Hime. And, um, I have been waiting for this match for like eight months. And it wasn't, they obviously didn't build the match out to like try to go out there and have a pay-per-view match. They, they went out there to have a house show main event match. And it was damn, damn good. And this was the night after, or the day after, the singles match between Nasapoy and Himeka. So, um, the match was mostly just basically a singles match between Nasapoy and Himeka with Tam and Micah in there sparingly and mostly fighting each other out on the outside. Um, and they picked up where they left off. Bad back from Nasapoy, bad left arm of Himeka. Ultimately, at the end, Himeka gets her up. And, and drops with the running power bomb and pins Nasapoy. So, um, <laughs> this man's fist pumping. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, but this match was great. I ended up giving this, uh, four flat stars. And, like, t- Nasapoy's really good with these, like, shorts, two, like, one off or two off series. Like, you think of the Tam and Nasapoy stuff from last year, from uh, last summer, and this, and it's like, I think they should do more of these like short series things with people. Um, Mm -hmm. It it livens up the card at the top. It can save them from having to, um, with a, you know, at a singles match or whatever else, non-title, it saves them from having to blow a a, a defense, uh, defense records out of, out of proportion or anything like that. I think they should invest in this uh, more or try this more, more often throughout the the year. But uh, yeah, great match. And, um, Outside of that, though, that show was just that show was just a show. But like, they really tried to uh, that Cork and, and they tried to you know they went out there and had a bunch of quality matches. But and uh, that main event from uh, the night the day after was really good. So, right. um, as I mentioned with the Nasapoy and Hameka stuff being full of more matches, uh, they had a match this weekend at uh at, at KBS in um KBS Hall in. Uh, Kyoto, Kyoto, like famous for like that 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 Dragon painting. Gate joint, the Dragon Gate joint that has the painted that looks like church, yeah, with the uh, the stained glass everywhere. Yes, that's yeah, like they go there once a year it seems. So uh, that's where they did that. They end up doing um, Hameka and Julia versus Tam and Nasapoy. Uh, I I believe that um, I did not see the match. Obviously not up, but like they show post match like. Tam and Nasapoy celebrating their music playing, so I'm assuming they won. And then uh, Julia runs in, shoves the belt into uh, Tam's face. Tam snaps, hits her with a. Uh, I don't know why Julia thought she could do this. She shoved the belt in Tam's face and walked away like, like you know. I forgot who it was. But, uh, there was somebody who used to say something like, "I did this to you, and you didn't do nothing." Like. Julia thought that she was going to hold Tam and just walk away and Tam wasn't going to do shit, right? So Tam grabs her, German suplexes her on her dome, and then gets over the top of her, slaps shit out of her, and then, like, grabs a pair of scissors, goes out the ring, grabs a pair of scissors, walk, 
walks back in, cuts a section of Julia's hair off, and then like Nasapoy and Maya are trying to pull her off, and and it ain't nothing doing. She throws them both off of them, off of her, Crazy. and then the ref, uh, Daichi tries to grab it. She throws Daichi to the ground, and then she grabs the red belt, holds it in the air, and holds the hair and puts a foot on top of uh, Julia's chest and and poses for the cameras. And I was like. Now, now that is how you go home. That and that is how you go home for, for the go home show WrestleMania right there. <laughs> they got thirty five more days in this shit, Rich. How control is he gonna keep this hot? Control yourself, Tam. Crazy. So, so they clip it. They put it on. Um, they put it on the domestic account. I'm assuming. I'm sorry, on the uh, foreign account. I'm assuming they put it on the domestic account. Did huge numbers as far as reactions. People loved it. Are like are really into this match. You know, there are some people that probably were like, I don't know about them doing this match again. And to them, I would say, shut the fuck up. Like, this is their sixth match in, like, what will be a thousand days. I think it's okay. Um, So, and no one would say anything when, like, you know, <clears throat> Shuri and, and uh, Utami had their seventh match in far less time just recently. But whatever. So, um, they then follow up and show a clip of the post-match promo in stardom let y'all know I'm, I'm sure rich knows this they do not translate shit from the post-match comments officially normally it is uh dana online that translates it or uh shigio that translates it someone else is doing the translation for them into english the post-match stuff like backstage not this time they grabbed uh they grabbed her words uh tam's promo and it's her backstage looking out of her mind uh, with Nasapoy. Like she just got out of a car crash and she's like yelling at somebody like, how could you crash my car like this or something like that? Yeah, she's she's furious, right? Like, so um, I have the translation here and uh, Julie and like, she's screaming out of at the top of her lungs. She's screaming like so loud that she's getting hoarse in like this little section of like a minute promo, minute 15 seconds promo and she yells Julia do you know how I felt ever since you uh since I uh, took your hair two years ago I became the champion but all anyone ever said was Julia 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 like Marsha 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 and hey, he says the more your hair grew back the more it drove me crazy as she says the more it drove me crazy she starts slapping herself in the face like she's Terry Funk or something this, this is like Ric Flair when he would gig himself Flair. yeah <laughs> yes so uh, so at this point, Nasapoy is just, you know, watching her cut the promo and she like recognizes how furious Tam is saying all this stuff. And like Nasapoy is like low key scared of like how mad this woman is. And she like try is trying to calm her down, a pat her on the back, tries to grab her arm. Tam's not having the arm grab until uh, like later in the get promo. Get your goddamn hands off me. Yeah. And she keeps, and she keeps going and she says, uh, she says, uh, this time on April 23rd, I will beat you and take everything you got. You'll be the one to call through hell and don't you forget it. She screwed up. And that's and she walks off from that point. That's what was like. What the she fuck? was stuck there for like another like couple seconds, like like Kel Mitchell after Keenan walked yes. away. Yes. But like totally oh, here it different. goes. Yes. Yeah. She was shook at me. Look. Um, you know. I have often told you that I thought that Tam Nakano was one of the best storytellers in professional wrestling. 
I think, you know, the history of us talking about stardom kind of bears that out to be not just, you know, if you watched it in with a fair mind, I think you would be like, yo, she's way up there. Like when she ends up the last two years on uh, getting honorable mission on best promos while cutting these promos in Japanese and being the only Japanese person on on uh, Observer for best promo honorable mission, I, I find it hilarious. She sold this match. Like if you if you have any idea of the things these two have done to each other over uh, since 2020, and then you see that they're having another match, and then you see that, and then you see that promo. Like if this was if this had happened on AEW, we'd be talking about this for like two weeks, or like we'd be talking about this for a week. Like this would be like one of the biggest things that we clip up and talk about, and be like, this is this is fucking awesome, and I can't wait for this match. And mm-hmm. I, I'm already there, but like, I, this is like. This this was great. This was great, and like I can't see, I can't wait to see how Julia uh gets her heat back and what they do because like they're not done building this match. Well, they, they got they like I said, they, they got about to escalate this, this violence. They did. They started with this. This was a go home show angle. This I wonder awesome. if they're gonna. I wonder if they're gonna do a stipulation match. Um, I I th- look if this were if if there wasn't a blood mandate in this promotion. This would be some type of no DQ match where they definitely get double juice, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's almost unfortunate they already did the hair versus hair. Like, I don't know. Like, I, that's always great. Um, well, unless it's in America. But, um, well, I, well, yeah. I, well, America and also the woman, the, the woman part of it makes it work, make it so, makes it so much of a bigger yeah. thing, right? Because, like, in Joshi, when a woman gets their hair cut, normally the loser loses, but like over time becomes bigger because of it. That's why they did. The, that's why they did the whole thing. Like they were, they wanted Julia to get to where she is now. Um, it worked. It absolutely worked. <laughs> and like, you know, um, look, Tam, it, Tam, Tam, I, I recognize this energy for, from, from Tam. Um, you know, when I was, you know, listening to No Way Out at the end of Been Around the World, there was a gentleman named the Mad Rapper. <laughs> um, you know, I got more John Blaze shit than that. Yes, yes. She's saying I have more John Blaze and shit. Like, like, where the fuck are you going on this train? Like, <laughs> like, why are you climbing up these mountains with with kids, Julia? Like, <laughs> Tam is the Mad Rapper. Look, um, this is awesome. Do that shit on the train, James. <laughs> This is awesome. It's absolutely reheated this thing. And like I can't wait to see like what they do to over the next like month to get to whatever the final act of this is. But it's gonna but I'm like they they look. I I'm going I'm going with whatever they go. Like these two, um, after I saw this and saw that promo, like in my mind I was seeing myself like, what do I have over this all time is my as far as my not what is the best, but my what is my favorite like fuse rivalries of all time i i still haven't like thought about it thoroughly but like it's it's gotta be top five for me by this point in time and by the mm. end of this when they have another classic more more, more likely than not it's gonna be some it's gonna be submitted like i'll probably have to look through um chad's rivalry book best rivalry all time book to see where i would like to get a you know to look through that kind of stuff and add in stuff like Hangman versus the Elite, John Moxley versus you know Kenny Omega, that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, man, 
and you know, obviously, like stuff, New Japan stuff, like you know, Tanahashi Okada, Tanahashi, or sorry, Okada versus um, Omega, that kind of stuff. But like, not saying it's necessarily better than some of the all time great feuds of all time because I think it's all time great feud. Do I think it's like Kabashi and Masawa? No, but like as far as things that I've enjoyed more than more than this, there ain't many things. Um, and we got the audio to prove that, but, but, but yeah, uh, it's way up there and I'm gonna try and figure it out like over the next month or so, but, um, I'm all in and uh, like, you, I look at the, what this card is shaping up to be and this is going to be a show of the year contender and, and like more, more and a great chance to be one of the greatest shows of all time. Uh, you, you gonna write something up, up for the, uh, for this show or, uh, what, no, what, what's the deal? um, Pro- maybe we'll see we'll see if i can come up with an angle that doesn't seem like you know because uh, like you know when i wrote the uh the tam and mayu thing like a, a great deal of that is covering you know julia and tam um up to you know the white the hair match uh gotcha i think there is a se- i think i could write something and focus on like what they did to each other last year and you know stealing you know stealing part faction partners from each other you know the, the the you know the the kind of shit that Julio the kind of hell that Julio was putting into and all the loss she had on pay per view until winning the Grand Prix to get to back to Shuri then both chasing Shuri and both failing at first. There's stuff there. I got a month. I'll probably procrastinate and then like think of writing it like a week from uh, on the last week. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But uh, it's definitely there and like it, it's 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 I I love this thing and um yeah um so. To continue on with the Hameka um, retirement role stuff, like the the edit from the Kurokan Hall show for some reason was just like it was match, 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 match. There was no interests. Mm-hmm. Only the only promo that was left on was like the uh, the in the main event promo at the end. But uh, after Naspoi tapped out Hameka, she said that like she mentioned like, do you remember? this particular match from at rest girls when they first were, you know, promotion they first came from. Um, and I, th- I believe they're going to run that match at the, the joint start or Bushiro wave show that they're doing. Uh, Hameka wanted to do a show at, in pro wrestling wave and like based on the schedule, the only way they can do it is after, uh, Yokohama arena, like a couple days after. So they're going to do it there. And I'm assuming that's the final match. Um, like, it's Miyuke Takase, who you've heard me talk about as far as being a one of the better freelancers in Joshi, and uh, Nasapoi, and uh, Hameka, and another person that's also from Actress Girls, like Nasapoi, Miyuki, and Hameka were always like this, or you know, a three version of this. So like, mm-hmm. it makes sense that that like would be one of her last matches on the way out. So. Yeah, man, a lot of really cool things they're doing with like stardom and building up and with Hameka coming out and making this like uh, retirement tour feel special. They, they back like said, it was two, two month malaise with that term, but they back now. Uh, Zach and Maki said, "Who's booking the Hameka Wave show?" And also, did we talk about Ice Ribbon? We did not talk about Ice Ribbon, but we can. Um, I'm not sure who is booking <clears throat> who is booking the uh, the the show, but uh, at the press conference for it. Uh, Gammy was there. Gammy X RCN wrestler who, you know, obviously the promotion that, uh, that Rossi was running with Aja Kong back in the day, she runs wave. 
um, Wave's more of a comedy promotion now. Um, so like they had, they had Gami there and they also had, um, Sakura Hirota. Sakura Hirota is like the parody wrestler that dresses up like the other wrestlers. Like she'll, she'll dress up as, uh, as Kana and then wrestle Kana and she'll have big boobs, mm-hmm. big fake boobs. She'll dress up as, uh, was it Shigusa Nagayo and then wrestled, uh, Mako Satomura in front of Shigusa Nagayo for, for fucking, for fucking funny, for funsies. Like she does that. She does all sorts of shit like that. So, um, some people think that like she's like a, a comedic wrestling genius. I think she's kind of just there, but the, be polite. But she was also there at the press conference, so like they're gonna give you the full wave experience, whatever that is. Just like get that shit out the way, and then do the do the final match for him or the this final match for Mecca. and then obviously you know the the Yokomaria matches her versus Micah. So yeah, um, lots of good matches from Mecca on the way out. Uh, as far as Ice Ribbon, <sighs> Ice Ribbon. All, all I've another... heard, James, is that Julia is right, or Julia was right. This is this is all what I'm gathering. Uh, I saw some of this stuff. I don't really know all the characters and all this stuff, but um, it just it seems like Julia was right, and there should be some apologies. Okay, so <sighs> Julia um, left. And, Ain't no money over here. Yeah. <laughs> so Julia left. Uh, the things that I remember from Julia is Julia has written things uh, for like a uh, Pro Wrestling Weekly or Pro or Pro Weekly, whatever. It's Shoe Pro. Um, like she has a regular column there, like monthly or certain at a certain you know recurrence. And um, some of the stuff was things like a, you know, um, I wanted to work on you know, I wanted to put more investment into my body and getting my body, my physique on point. And like, I couldn't do that while also working a job while also being a wrestler. Stardom was the only place I could go where I could like be a full-time wrestler. So that's why I went there. That's one of the things she said. Um, and then she also talked about like, she also aired some dirty laundry, you know, amongst, amongst the wrestlers talking about how like, uh, Sakasa Fujimoto, who was like, I believe was the head trainer was the ace at one point. Like would not wrestle Risa Sarah at all for a certain amount of time, and still hasn't since a particular amount of time because they have they have such bad blood, um, and other things along the way. Then obviously uh, last year you had like the news that like four of their top five were all leaving at the same time. Basically, like Maya Yuki, who was their ace in two thousand eighteen slash nineteen, left uh, to freelance um, or went to freelance and will come back and do dates occasionally. He hasn't done dates in a long time. Um, Risa Sarah left for prominence. Uh, Suzu Suzuki left for prominence. Sakushi retired to become a veterinarian. And then like Tsukasa went on hiatus to, because she uh, just recently gave birth and had, had her kid. But we don't know if she's ever coming back. Mm. She's still around. Like when I was at the show uh, at Ribbon Mania, she was, she was in the back. Or, or, and she was also like uh, there with the merch and all that kind of stuff but like we don't know if she's coming back so like the whole entire base like a whole entire generation of Ice Ribbon like of the top stars all gone in like the span of you know from Julia left 2019 to 2021 at the end all gone and um, so like they they didn't have anybody they could actually make the top champion so like they end up putting it on uh, say Ariano and, and X um, at rest girls wrestler really close with NASA Poi remind, remind a lot of people NASA Poi before she tied her hair blonde she's bigger 
um, Ano. But like, they made a freelancer champion, and then at Ice Ribbon, or sorry, at uh, Ribbon Mania, the show I went to, like, in the main event was Challenger uh, Asai. They had the match, Asai lost, and like, I thought, like, okay, well, she's going to challenge her again later and eventually win and get redemption. Not quite, because she uh, transferred and has been loaned out to uh, Atlas Girls, a, a place where she was already, like, like doing hill work in. So, like, she's like, just tramp me over here. I just want to be a hill over there. I don't want to fuck with y'all. Mm-hmm. And she's just there. And then another wrestler, like, also is just le- is leaving, but doesn't know if she's going to retire or just leave. And, like, that also, like, at that Ice Ribbon show, like, Suzu was at that show to, like, do someone's retirement match. Who also was like, also was getting like title shots where she didn't, she didn't could beat Ano either. Like, so they lost basically like at least two future ace candidates. A year after losing four of the top five or maybe five of the top five. Like, that's only good if you have like The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin to like follow them up. Yeah. And so, um, typically. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know. Like, a lot of people had, the, you know, reasonings for thinking, like, this could work out well. Like, okay, Suzu and Risa, they want to do deathmatch stuff. Ice Ribbon couldn't draw with that kind of stuff. Maybe if we move on from them, they'll draw better numbers. Now they have no established top stars. And now, like, the people they, they put in the main events to be the future stars, they're also fucking leaving or retiring. Before, like, oh, last year they were distant up, number three. Sorry? It sound like they about to fold it up, brother. So last year they were just a number three. Ain't no three bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's two labels, Rich. <laughs> the, the prevailing theme has ruled again. It is Stardom and it is Tokyo Joshi Pro. It is They're two labels. Two labels. Yeah. So um, uh, the Joshi scene right now outside of Stardom and Tokyo Joshi Pro. Is basically just like everybody that's good that you want to see, for the most part, are all freelancers. And are they going to be doing interesting things in programs with other people at the top of main events, having great title matches? Who knows? They they're just likely to do that, or they're more, or they're less likely to do that than they are to be doing goofy comedy shit. So you don't know, or death matches. So you don't know what's going to happen. And Jesus. at this point, like, uh, you got Noah. They're doing, they're they're having women's, women's, matches. women's matches or whatever else. If they start a division, I feel like a, a lot of like uh, the people that were doing nomads are going to end up over there because like yep. all those ma- all those matches are like people that were in nomads. Mayuki was in nomads. Um, Nasa Sumire was in nomads. Uh, Jungle was set to be in nomads three, but um, she's going to rustle that out and then she's going to get her knee done again. Hey. I-, I don't know if you saw her <laughs> interview, but uh, Jungle's knee thing is just basically like she got her knee done. And she her her the stitching that was holding her shit stable, holding her like meniscus down, popped out. So then she had to go get another surgery again, and then it popped out again. So she has to go get a third surgery. So like Damn. this might be her this might be her last match. Uh, this Nomads Three show. Well, she's not calling the retirement, but like it very well could be her last match ever. Writings on the wall. Yeah. Um, since Noah has no problem pushing old people and bringing old people in. You know, need to go ahead and um and bring Aja Kong in, just like they had Muto in there. And let's go ahead and get this uh, GAC Women's Championship. So uh, next, her up. so next week, 
uh, we'll cover uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro uh, Grand Grand Slam Princess. We, I didn't have a time to watch it because like I was too busy like getting disappointed by Jake Lee to at two a.m. in the morning <laughs> to to um to watch that. But uh, I heard good things. Uh, you know, you know, you know how it is Tokyo Joshi Pro. So, but we'll see. Like I already know all the I already know all the spoilers for the most part in, in like the last two matches. Um, like new champions wearing the shirt of a new champion. But uh, we'll cover that <laughs> next week in uh, at least the matches that that were like really good. We'll cover like we're not like if if this, shit ne- if, next if, week we should pr- probably have like a WrestleMania preview too. Yeah, we'll have all that. We'll have all that. We'll, we'll have all that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, but uh, um, that's pretty much in the show. Yeah, uh, announcement here. So like we don't have a date yet, um, but uh, Swerve Strickland is going to come on One Nation Radio uh, in the near future. Does he want to do the WrestleMania preview? <laughs> Doubt it. <laughs> that would be an interesting show. It sure would. Uh, but uh, he, he's going to be on. Uh, we're going to talk to him about you know wrestling. We're going to talk to him about his new album. Um, I produced some songs on there, so uh, ask him some questions and stuff like that. I don't know if that's going to be a regular episode. If we're going to do that, shoot that on, on like a side or whatever. But that's going to be in the near future. Okay. Um. Uh, any other announcements? No, nah, just keep downloading the show on the show feed and uh, buy the album. That's that's all y'all need to do. Keep, all right, keep um, with the boys. So, <laughs> so that's in the, the show. Be sure to raise more after you use and listen to this. If you're watching from the stream, you can um, go to the PayPal and the Cash App and donate there. If you are listening from the podcast, you can go to the show notes or show description, and you can uh, go to the link. Uh, to the red circle, to our red circle, and donate there. And be sure to listen to other shows on the network besides One Nation Radio. You have Keep It a Strong Style, The Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show, Grown Men Watch This Shit, The Great Consequences Podcast, Eight uh, Bit Suplex, Get in the Ring, All Things Elite, Great Mass Generator, um, and Meet the Press Slam. Thanks for listening, y'all. Hey, we were we went we went really long, so Jake Lee. Jake Lee, you were spared. You were spared. You were spared. Don't you ever go out there for 36 minutes and waste more time than Jake than, uh, than Jay White ever again. <laughs> Wrap it up. Wrap, yeah. Wrap it up, bro. Yeah. Later, y'all. Peace.